Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. What up, y'all? It's Laia, and this QLS classic is taking us back to October 19, 2016. Imagine it. Roots Picnic, New York City, two days. Well, myself and Team Supreme decided we would uh, hole up in the hotel across the street from the Roots Picnic and interview as many of those artists as possible. Yeah, the first and the last time we did this. But check it out. This is the episode that features appearances from ex-ambassadors Stretch and Barbito and Lady Leisure. It's a good one. I hope you enjoy it. What's up, y'all? Welcome to a uh, very special edition of Questlove Supreme. Once again, uh, this is a road trip. Well, not exactly a road trip. We're kind of um, up the block from Bryant Park in New York City. Um, I'll say that 20 years ago when the Roots were first formed, uh, we made and cut our teeth on the festival circuit. And festivals are like now a thing in America, but back in the early 90s, uh, it was like really unheard of to have different genres together under one roof, like doing a festival. Uh, we always said that we had enough pool and, uh, of course, enough finances. We were going to bring a festival to whatever city that we chose to do. And, of course, uh, I guess most of you guys are familiar with the Roots Picnic. Um, that's our Philadelphia homegrown festival event. So this year we decided to take the Roots Picnic to Bryant Park in New York City and entertained over 20,000 people for two days. Um, so many acts played the picnic. Uh, David Byrne, Wu-Tang Clan, D'Angelo John Mayer, uh, even Alicia Keys, Dave Chappelle, Common. Of course, the Roots performed as well. Uh, we even had Nile Rodgers and Sheik. Whew, that's, that's a lot of lineup. Anyway, we recorded these special episodes of Quest Love Supreme live during the Roots picnic. Uh, I was running around quite a bit, too. Uh, I popped up in the show occasionally when I had a minute, but I was basically rehearsing. But don't worry. Uh, the Team Supreme held it down, and they really did an amazing job running the show in my absence. Uh, that's right. We got Fonte, Boss Bill still there, Unpaid Bill's there, Sugar Steve is there, Lai is there, and a whole cast of others. 
Uh, this particular episode, you're going to hear some really, really great interviews with uh, DJ MoMA. Uh, who else? We got the XS Ambassadors, Tish Hyman, uh, Chill Moody, Smashing Hearts. Uh, we got the legendary New York hip hop radio DJ Stretch and Bobito, some of my favorites. Uh, I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> and all the way from the UK, uh, we got Lady LaShure. I really hope you enjoy the show. Uh, this is part one of the Roots Picnic New York edition. Quest Love Supreme. Let's go. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. But have no fear. Yeah. I'm running this ball. Yeah. Cause quest they yield. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I'm unpaid bill. Yeah. Y'all don't know. Yeah. Roots picnic. Yeah. Here we go. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name's Laia. Yeah. And it is cold. Yeah. Don't worry, fellas. Yeah, cause I keep you bold. I don't know. Roll call, <laughs> Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call, Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. My name is Steve. Yeah, I am so tired. Yeah, I am not high yet. Yeah, let's get high. Roll call, Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call, Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Boss Bill is here. Yeah, and I didn't prepare. Yeah. So I'm just going to read the rest of this ad from uh, yeah. uh, Furnished Large One Bedroom. Oh, yeah. $1,700. New York, New York, 10033. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. My name is MoMA. Yeah. I'm a music man. Yeah. I'm African. Yeah. Represent Queens, New York, man. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Su, su, Suprema roll call. <laughs> I was trying to do the laugh. Oh, oh. Quest yeah, Love laugh. Quest Love laugh, yeah. <laughs> that damn sound like the Jada Kiss laugh. <laughs> 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 Crazy for this one. <laughs> it's like he got emphysema. Special. Welcome <laughs> to Quest Love Supreme, our faithful. And righteous cult leader, <laughs> our Fuhrer, Questlove, is not here today. He's uh, a little busy. He's a little busy. He's a little busy actually doing his job. Today. Yeah. One of his jobs. One, one of his jobs. One of his oh, 19 jobs. One of his so 19 many jobs. jobs. Some of his so jobs. He's actually, he's actually working today on the Roots Picnic, so uh, we holding it down uh, in his absence. I'm Fonte, Fontigo, New Tigolo, New Tigolo, New Tigolo, a.k.a. Gully Blanchard, a.k.a. Hacksaw Jim Thugger, mm-hmm. a.k.a. <laughs> Young Player Underwood, a.k.a. Wolfang Flower. A.k.a. That's enough. You know what I'm saying? A.k.a. Album in Stores. Album in Stores. I always got an album in Stores somewhere. Yeah, holding down, Fontigolo. To my left is the lovely Miss... I ain't gonna do it to you. Because Questlove came up with a great nickname for you. What is it? Margaret. Loudia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not loud. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. See, you you just proved the point. You I love you point. anyway. We love you. We love you. We love y'all back. It's good to be here today. Hello, fellas. Hey. Yeah. Also joining us, you know what I'm saying? My brother, my man's, my middle, my man's, unpaid bill, Bill mm. Sherman. 
who is here. Although I just I just found out he is now paid. He found he found out via text message. I did. Yeah. yeah. Thank it's you. You can't afford Thank that you. applause track yet, but look, yeah, he got it. Thank you. He it's got a big that, day. It's a big day. He got that day. PayPal notification. Like I hey, did. Yeah. <laughs> So, unpaid bill, Bill Sherman, he's in the building. Direct deposit Sh- bill. Sugar Steve. Hey, <laughs> pal, Bill. Hey, I like that. Sugar Steve, hardest working engineer in show business. How, how many hours yeah. have you been up, like, completely? All of them. I don't know. The last last two nights have just gotten a couple hours of sleep, so. Damn. Oh, we're going to get all into that. I want to know. So, you're a little delirious today? Every day. Yeah. A little more than usual. And he ain't had his weed yet. So we yeah. got we to get him some weed. With some his medicine. medicine. We got to get him some med. We won't call it weed. I don't think we can do that. Yeah. I'm, we're, uh, we're, we're recording the show. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, 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 I have many jobs like Quest also. <laughs> okay. You want to you list them? Yeah. Go ahead. I work at uh, the supervisor at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you got promoted, I hear. Um, no. Not washing lettuce. No I, wait, I, was lettuce. I was washing lettuce. <laughs> no, we're simultaneously recording the picnic. So okay. Multi-track recording of the picnic. And uh, we're set up at SIR for rehearsals over the next two days as well. And we're recording those. And we're recording these. So I've got like three Pro Tools rigs all around town. Room. Steve's busy. Mm-hmm. You're the man. Steve is the fucking man. Give me I'm not $20. Really doing much. I have an assistant who's doing much. Of the work. Oh, okay. That's what's up. I got to get to that level where I can get me an assistant. <laughs> well, he's. <laughs> if it ain't now, Fonte, then when? when it, right. I don't when? know when. I don't know. I just, I, I, I think I have a problem letting people in my life in that way. This, that just got really personal and like really, <laughs> really couched. Well, at, least, really? at least you're not talking about, you know, writing stuff on the toilet. So, yeah. Nah, like, nah. The desk in your toilet. Fonte, what would you do with an assistant? I feel like. Man, I don't know. I just, because you got to let, you got to really trust in your assistant. Like, that's somebody, they got the passwords to your shit. You know what I'm saying? If you got a side piece, they got to know. Travel arrangements. Travel arrangements. Look at Mama shaking his head. Travel arrangements. You know I mean? So it's like, so yeah, man, I don't know, man. I, that's just someone else in your life that you that could just write a book about you later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I trust that shit. They don't can, do can, that. can end up as a guest on Quest Love Supreme after you die? It, after you die, and be like, yeah, Fonte was doing all the coke, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, I can't, I can't fuck with that shit. I don't know. So I don't know. I'll get through that. Maybe with some counseling and all that, I can get through that. But fuck my problems. Listen. <laughs> The man we got right here, <laughs> my man right here, uh, this brother, uh, I will let him talk about himself, but allow me to introduce uh, this brother. He is the lead, the head DJ, Everyday People. Right on. Uh, Everyday People, uh, which is Chef Roble. That's Chef Roble and Sada. Oh, and awesome myself party. Started, yeah. yeah. Awesome party. Uh, how, long I, you, how long has the party been around? Uh, this is like the end of the fourth season. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was this fun thing. I was actually supposed to do one of them in Charlotte. Right. And I was, I ended up having to go, I think we had a tour date or something. So I missed it. I was like, damn, I missed it. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, the man of the hour, the man with the plan, with the sound, <laughs> all that fly shit. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for DJ Momo. He's in there. What's up? What's up, man? Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for coming here and uh, getting up early in the morning. This is early for like musician hours and shit. So, <laughs> pretty much, it's noon. Yeah, noon it's is noon thirty. Yeah, that's still kind of early. I, like, I for... biked here so I could wake up. Did you really? Oh, really? oh shit! I live really? in the city though, so I'm not like no hero. Biked over a bridge. You didn't come from like Bay Ridge or anything. Nah, nah. But you, oh wow, you've been doing a lot of stuff this this past week, right? Because you filled in for a Quest. At I Brooklyn filled in Bowl. for Quest at Brooklyn Bowl, Ooh. and also did a, a closing event for Summer Stage with Janelle Monae mm. in, oh, in Central awesome. Park. Nice. So it's been it's been a fun week, you know. And we got Roots Picnic tomorrow today. 
Today. Shoot. Today. <laughs> yeah. Today. Yeah. That's dope, man. Shit's real. So tell me a little bit about your, your style, man. I was looking through your... Unfortunately, like I said, I didn't get to come to the party, so I miss, I miss actually seeing you do your thing. But uh, we had you send over just some tracks, you know, before... And I was just reading the tracks. I was like, yo, this motherfucker is in my iTunes. Like, <laughs> these is, like some of the Jones you speak, like the Greg Reporter, uh, 1960 what? Right, right, right. Um, Donald Byrd, Love Has Come Around. Like, just, I was like, oh my God, like, this dude is, is like me. Yeah, um, man. I mean, yeah. my style, you know, it covers a lot from like really like esoteric mixtape radio show stuff to like more mainstream generic. Um, and, you know, when I first started DJing, I was in a place where I was either in like in a, in a bar in Brooklyn playing like Roy Ayers vinyl and Weldon Irvine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I was in Manhattan playing like Britney Spears and, and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and, you know, obviously one of those two was a struggle for me, but I was getting it done because it was a check. And I think, you know, after like 12 to 13 years of DJing, I've been able to kind of like reconcile everything in the middle where I've just found that happy medium where... In, in one of my parties, you may hear like a soulful joint, but you probably you're also gonna hear Drake and yeah, Future, yeah. and I was, I've been able to kind of like eliminate all like the real disposable pop shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of my style, I would say it's basically like the best of black music that I love. You know, hip hop, R and B, soca, house. You able to African. play soca? You can get soca. Like, oh, in the, yo, it, oh, come on, he's in New York. Yeah. Oh, well, in New York, you got to. <laughs> yeah, you got to, man. Uh, you said Africa. What part? Of, what part of the continent you from? I'm part. I'm from Sudan. Oh wow. Oh wow. Yeah. So how does that? How does? I mean, what? Because most people don't know the musical influence of Sudan. Do you? Is it any? Do you ever play anything or? Um, you know, it, we don't have that big of a Sudanese community in in New York. So mm-hmm. if I were to drop a track. It might bomb, mm. but I'm also like I'm part Eritrean and the whole like East African connect. That's what I So see. there's a lot of like um, Ethiopians and Eritreans that come to my events. And so I got that music on deck. And, and when I do drop it, it's a riot. You know, you have people who are not familiar with it. Be like, what the hell's going on? But the ones that are familiar yeah. with it, they lose their fucking mind. Yeah. yeah. Totally got you. So I, mean, I usually do that late night. Late night. <laughs> not in the middle of prime time. So if it bombs, it's, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> right. Got you. My man, Odyssey, I don't know if you're over him. He's Sudanese Yeah, that's well. my homie. Oh, okay. Right yeah, yeah, he's from Sudan as well. Odyssey's a producer, MC, uh, was based out of DC. I think he's here now, but uh, incredible, incredible artist. Um your start, like, what leads a person to want to be a DJ? Like, what is the, you know, people have, some people want to be MCs, some people want to be producers. What is it that drove you to say, I want to select the sounds for people? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I think it was maybe the easiest way for me to touch music, being that I just don't play instruments and, and I don't sing. When, when I was in high school and college, I used to rap. You know, you being a cypher. I think we all did. Yeah, you had your little, you had your <laughs> yeah, little I did. crew. You did. I'm no, sure you no, did. I did not. I did not. Have you heard me rap before? I have, but yeah, you just did it. it was, <laughs> just did. Exactly. You but rap- everybody rapped in high school. Like, I mean, that was like a rite of passage, I think. Right. And and I I, I think I, the Roots used to do something called Black Lilies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I even like I got on stage on that as one of the MCs that went over during the open mic, and that was like. That was my hip hop career highlight of my life. I don't remember what year this was, late '90s, early 2000s. I, you know, I don't recall. But um, around that time, you know, I became like really disenchanted with hip hop. It was super jiggy, and I just kind of fell out of love with it. So I started researching um, all the samples behind the music, and that's when I started collecting vinyl. And you know, to go back to your question, I, I don't think a lot of us who started DJing in maybe late '90s or before that, I don't think anybody starts DJing with 
the goal of becoming a DJ. You just love music. You collect vinyl. And after a certain amount of time, you have enough music that you can, and you have enough experience that you could actually rock a party, which is kind of different than the way it is today. You gotcha. Know? There was never anything where you said, okay, I want to get paid for this. It was like you didn't start off with the intention of, hey, nah, maybe I can because I was working a full-time job. I, you know, I went to college for electrical engineering. Mm. And so wow. I came out of school. I was working a full-time job, which I actually held for like, you know, over 10 years. Uh, and I was doing both at the same time, you know, living in Manhattan, working in Manhattan, uh, DJing in Manhattan. So I never really um, had to worry about getting paid for DJing. So I just kept like honing my skills and like refining my craft. And ultimately, you know, I became so good that I didn't have to work anymore. It's was, interesting uh, you say that. I, uh, I had a talk with a friend of mine a couple of days ago. He was asking me about like, OK, when do you make the leap from your hobby to your real from your real job. From your hobby to, to your, your hobby. jobby. I right. call it a job. Your hobby to your jobby. <laughs> and my, my, I said almost verbatim what you said, I was like, listen, as long as you got something that's paying you that steady check, stay with that shit. Don't walk away from that fucking check. What the fuck is wrong with you? You better get that money. Get fired because you got to get that unemployment first. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you never want, I just feel like you never want desperation to fuel your artistic decisions. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't focus on being a great DJ when you ain't got no fucking roof. So, and that you know job I mean? can finance your craft. You exactly. know, you buy turntables, you want to buy Pro Tools, you want to buy a Mac, you want to like buy start more getting records. More, buy records. more records. <laughs> yeah. What was the so making that transition, going from the jobby to the hobby? Like, what was that like? When did you know, like, okay, officially, I can do this full time and I'm good? What was that like for you? Um, I, I just think it came at a point where. I became. I started to feel this? miserable. This is like honestly, I I was going back and forth uh, from from the corporate life. Okay. Because I'm like, you know what, I got enough money. I'm about to DJ and travel for a year or two. And then I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, I'm broke. <laughs> we go back. And I think the last time I just like you know cut off the umbilical cord was um, 2014. Oh wow. Yeah. So not not that long ago. Yeah. But I just started to feel miserable. There was such a huge difference between how I felt at the office. And, you know, I really like engineering. It's, it's a great job. You're, like, really building things, and it's problem-solving all day long. Mm -hmm. But I just start to feel miserable versus, you know, the high that I would get when I'm out DJing, you know, doing day parties with 300 of my friends. I was like, all right. Um, I'm not at the point where I can make up that income, mm -hmm. but I think having my time and my life back was probably worth, like, six figures to me at that point. So I was like, fuck it. I start from the bottom. And, and build it back up, and you know it, it happened pretty fast. That's dope, man. That's really dope. I'm sitting here uh, with the man of the hour, DJ Moma of uh, Everyday People. Uh, we're sitting here. So this is Roots Picnic. So I want to talk picnic stuff. Um, what is when you got this gig? Like, what was your what was your mind state in terms of saying it's, it's like setting up your crates or your playlist or whatever? Like, what was what was that like? For this uh, kind of crowd, like how would you rock this this kind of crowd? Uh, well, I had I had gotten the nod for uh, Roots Picnic in Philly. Okay. So that that gave me like a a, a good introduction, um, and then when when Quest told me about um, Roots Picnic New York, I was like, oh man, that's like a home game. That's just gonna be mm. so easy. Truth be told, I haven't even thought about it yet. Okay. Wow. It's gonna be in a, in a few hours, but it's. It's not that long as said, 45 minutes. It's, it's going to be so easy. I'm just going to do a mixture of like, you know, like some hip hop hits, but also like some some um, more like global danceable stuff. I'm thinking Brazilian vibes, mm. African vibes. Try to bring something different. Try, uh, to, try to warm it up out there. It's a little cold. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll take it you, is local. Take you guys to the tropics. So you don't you don't pre-plan your sets at all. Yeah, that's kind of next question. Yeah, I don't. Just... I I did um I did the Red Bull three style the same way. I, I pulled up to it was at Southpaw, mm-hmm. and I was just chilling in the green room, and I just started looking at some crates. You know, because when you've DJ enough, you have all these micro sets mm-hmm. that are in your head. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a matter of piecing the right micro sets together and having the right transition records to right. go from one genre to the other. Um, I don't think I've ever done a set where I've gone song by song because maybe song number seven didn't hit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe my intuition is like, nah, don't play this right now. So Yeah, I was going to ask you, so a lot of it is definitely you have to read the crowd. I mean, you can have something in your mind, but it's like, I don't think this will work. 100%. I think, I think that's basically like my main attribute. I'm not necessarily like a, a turntablist or right, right. I don't talk on the mic too much. It's mostly selection, mixing, and timing. So, selection's key. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo. 
two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. If you hear some noise, it's just me and the boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's plain and goddamn yes, simple. Uh, now, we're live on location. We're at the Roots Picnic. And so if you hear... Any kind of booming or any kind of drum I just heard or, or coughing. Uh, this is this unpaid bill in his emphysema. <laughs> or a Steve with his medicine. Or a Steve with his medicine. Ooh. Or if you're any kind of drums or anything, it's probably our boss man, uh, Questlove, uh, playing uh, nearby. So it may be some sounds from the picnic that you guys hear. But uh, I, think, I think they got the picture. You got it. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> it's so good. To it adds to the ambiance. You know what I'm saying? Like, it adds to the authenticity. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are we are uh, proud. Once again, we're here. We're happy uh, these brothers took time on a show day yeah, to enjoy us because it really it really means a lot for them to come here. Yeah. Uh, these brothers are based out of Brooklyn. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please give a big, warm Questlove Supreme round of applause for the ex ambassadors. What's up? <laughs> What's up? What's up, guys? Fellas, fellas. How y'all feel? What up? Feeling good, man. Feeling great to be back in New York. It's funny, you know, we we actually all, I know this is going to, Create some groans. We all just relocated to LA. So. No. Oh wow! Yeah. So we're all out in LA, <laughs> but it's it's. Oh my god. <laughs> so lame. I'm I'm telling you, just like getting off the plane, it's just like seeing this gray sky, and it's like a little, it's like low 60s. I'm feeling it, man. I'm, just, I'm so in it. I'm so homesick. In it. Homesick. Yeah. How long have you guys been out in LA? About a year. I mean, no. Yeah, right? you've been there a year. We've been on tour, so he moved there a year ago, but he hasn't been there. Yeah, I, I, I moved, moved there, there like two yeah. months ago. I moved there last September. I spent I've spent maybe like four weeks oh, there man. total since I moved. Wow, what's but, been so the, you're not a douchebag yet? Not yet, but I've had some avocado toast that was. Slippery slope right there. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. There's not much you can do. Avocado toast. It's Wait, a, yeah, you're, not, you're not up on that. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. I'm in the south. So bro. much avocado. <laughs> no, oh. This is true. Okay, so what? So, so okay, much. so avo- So you got to break this down. So is it toast spread <laughs> like with avocado? It's just simple. It's just avocado kind of smeared on on some toast. <laughs> so I still got the smear. I and still it's got delicious. The, the Jewish yeah. New Yorker. All right. So it's like cool. it's like a, a yeah. bougie peanut butter and jelly kind exactly. of. Like. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. California cream cheese. It's a gentrified California cream cheese. That's exactly. You should train like that shit, man. California. It's gentrified cream cheese. I got it. Exactly. Exactly. All good. All good. Okay. Well, thank y'all uh, for coming through, man. Oh my God, uh, it's, it's our pleasure, pleasure, man. So we got with us today, um, just so everyone can hear and qualify. All right. So we got Casey Harris on keyboards, yeah. and then lead vocal Sam That's Harris, That's and then on drums Adam Levine or Adam Levin. Levin. Adam Levin. Okay. He gets that all the, oh my God! I'm, I'm sure he does. I didn't know how to. I can, I can take it back. Want me to edit? No, no, no. Every no, airport. No, no. Listen, because because it's so funny. Every airport we're at, every time like someone calls his name to the to oh the desk, God. the lady's like Adam 
What it really is is the guy holding like the sign, the like oh, SUV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like kids crowding around him. He like spells my name wrong, so it says Adam Levine. And then there's like kids standing around him with cameras ready. And then I get there and say it's me, and everyone's just like, oh shit. Have you ever, <laughs> away have such you a disappointment. Ever, have you ever played to it though? Like, have you ever actually like went with it? One time I was in Mexico really? about a month ago and I was trying to go to this really fancy restaurant and I put my name down and <laughs> I got there super late and I guess Adam Levine had gotten married at this restaurant oh, randomly. Wow. Oh, wow. And so I got there and they were like, oh, we thought it was going to be Adam Levine and I <laughs> schmoozed them a little bit. So not, it didn't truly like work in my favor, but I did get to sit there. You got something. Hey, I still got a little something. This actually, but mostly it's just disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this actually reminds me of something I read in the, in the New York Post the other day about... Um, a uh, man in Manhattan, his name was Denzel Washington. Yeah, he was no he was arrested way. for strangling a woman by the name of Aretha Franklin. What? Oh my god. Hey, but the headline no said Denzel way. Washington yeah. strangles yeah. Aretha yeah. Franklin. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a natural perfect. It was perfect. Only the post, man. Only the post. Best newspaper in the world. They know their headline business. Headline heat. Slow news day. Oh my god. That's, that's hilarious. That's so, great. I want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, how you guys first started and yeah. uh, just, you know, what turned you on to music? Like, what made you, you know, want to pick up that instrument or, like, start writing songs? What was the beginning for all you guys? Well, so Casey and I grew up uh, in uh, college town upstate, Ithaca, New York. Um, nice. And we, uh, we always kind of have been playing music together uh, since we were kids. My mom's actually here. What's shout up, mom? Out, shout out to moms yeah. on the couch. And my mom was a singer growing up, so there was music in the household all the time. Oh, okay. And we used to the, we used to sometimes accompany her at her shows. Uh, we'd like we'd be the guest the guest stars. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is like when I was maybe like eight or nine, and uh, and Casey was ten. And uh, yeah, we started our first band in middle school, and and just kind of played music all throughout middle school and high school, and then uh, moved to New York and. Uh, you know, we we've been a band. We met Adam first year of school at New School University. Oh wow! In okay. the freshman dorms, and, uh, and we played. What year 20, was this? Uh, what what 2006. year? Was this? Yeah, two thousand six. Oh my god! Uh, That's just, I think yeah. y'all were there around the same time. I played one of my first gigs there. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. where'd my, you play? My first group, of Little Brother. We played. Uh, we played New School University. I you did around like oh six. Around the time we released yeah. our album, The Minstrel Show, and it was around yeah. that time. But Damn. New School always showed us love. Yeah, it's and, a great place, and man. It was a nice chick. Oh my god, I do remember that. <laughs> Those college shows always are. Oh man, come on, yo! I just the yeah. first, but you know what? Here's here's the funny thing. So for us, we we have for many many years kind of based. We can always judge, and this is not always true. It's not always true. Okay. But back in the day, at least, especially with college shows, we'd always judge like, okay, if we're getting a lot of money for the show, it's gonna suck. More money, it's like the worst the show. So the more first problem. show we played that, at a college that was like the biggest check, it was like two thousand dollars or something. <laughs> for us. We were stoked. We'd never we made were, that. We'd kind of money. never made that kind of money at a show, and. Uh, we drove. It was in. It was outside of Philly, yeah. and it was at this. Uh, it was like on a Tuesday night, in wow. like the student lounge in the rec room. In the rec room <laughs> at like 10 p.m. And there was nobody there except the promoter and one guy playing pinball in the very back. <laughs> the promoter left. 
oh, the guy wow. who was playing. It turned into just a rehearsal yeah. that a we got rehearsal. paid. A paid rehearsal. That's exactly. really not bad. Yeah, so not bad. very anticlimactic. Very anticlimactic. Not bad at that all. That was our highest paying gig at the time, though. But I digress. Sorry. We've, oh, been, no, we've been a band for about like 10 years now. And uh, yeah, we, we love it, man. That's what's up, man. Yeah, um, man. You guys, you, I noticed in your music, like you have a lot of hip hop. Like yeah. references and like oh, yeah. you use like interludes on in your records. Yeah. And you know, the interlude is like a a staple. Yeah, it's a hip hop staple. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You, it's you could always judge your albums, you know, it was the the music was the music, but so many classic skits. Yeah. So many albums have been defined by like. You remember the carnival? That oh, come on, record. Oh my god. Be shit, the be skits shit. On, oh my god. Not true but false. Be shit. Changed my life. Changed my life. Who the fuck is Bishop? Oh my god. <laughs> the greatest. And so so we grew up listening to to records like that. Like, you know, like it, even you know, even the skits on Thirty Six Chambers, those samples oh, that you know on like kill a tape. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and uh and like Stankonia and yeah, Great. score and what are some like, of y'all favorite hip hop? Y'all say, remember, like, let's reenact some of y'all favorite hip hop. <laughs> oh my god, this is this is like one of mine is I, maybe Lai can help me with the Kim and Cookie from uh, oh come from on, ring, ring. oh my god, <laughs> ring, ring, hello, <laughs> <laughs> hello. <laughs> and Spanish with the word of, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, 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 yeah. I was listening to that record the other day, I just got it on vinyl. It's like nice. one of my that's that's one of my top fives my, yeah. mine is definitely uh red red man muddy waters the i got a soda busket he's getting on, <laughs> the, on the uh on uh on tyrese right and he's picking on the tyrese commercial uh, that might have been like right yeah. before but that shit's hilarious the carnival definitely is no it's, all those yeah oh my god man. see i still aoi i still like ghost weed i'm stuck on ghost weed yeah. ghost, ghost weed was good ghost weed was yeah. dope yeah ghost weed this watch me i can rhyme like stone soap <laughs> yeah. ghost weed these are, these are uh, all classic skits from hip-hop albums uh that was the ghost weed we were referencing that's from aoi bionics mm-hmm. yes yeah de la soul yeah. De la soul yeah. was that AOI was the, the time man it was that that like i love that record too, was when when everyone was crushing the interludes as well i don't know mm-hmm. what it was about that but and it seemed like all the best albums had the, at least a few skits in there. Man. So and we really wanted to kind of incorporate that, incorporate that into our into our sound too. You know, the al- the whole album itself is a kind of a throwback to to all of our influences. So that's dope, man. Thank you. Um, with you guys playing this gig today, uh, this is something that. You mean the greatest show that we've it's like ever played? Right? It's, it's like your first right? It's picnic. You have no yeah. idea. Like, so, okay, talking about bands that influenced us growing up. Talk like, about it. The yeah. Roots oh, man. were everything to me. <laughs> yeah. They were everything to me. What made I them everything? What was it? I don't know. I mean, the fact that, well, first of all, I loved hip hop, uh, you know, ever since I was in like elementary school. The first time I heard hip hop, I was like, this is the music that I'm going to listen to for the rest of my life. And they were also a band. They played, I mean, they played their instruments and they were so good. I was such a fan. I even saw that. Remember that movie that Black Thought <laughs> Brooklyn started? Brooklyn Babylon. Babylon. Yes. Yes. I saw that movie. Yes, yeah, so, so did I. So yeah. did I. So did I. You did Brooklyn Babylon. I wasted 90 minutes of my life. Oh, yeah. oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. It's okay. They know. Nah, actually, yeah. actually, I thought Tariq, I thought Tariq <laughs> was great in it, though. Like, I mean, yeah, I, he was, yeah. I thought he was yeah, good. He was okay. It was, I think it was just, just a story. Yeah, it was a story. Yeah, it was just It was like that Romeo and Juliet kind of yeah, yeah and, uh, but it just didn't have it didn't tug at my heartstrings like an interracial love story yeah. supposed to. <laughs> I, not, I, I needed more passion from the, the black and Jewish love 
I need to summon a little more. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't convincing. Right? It wasn't convincing yeah, at all. Okay. It wasn't convincing all right. at all. Fair, yeah. fair enough. When fair we enough. have Tariq on the show, we have to ask him about that. Yeah, we will. We will. Oh we will talk about that. So with you guys uh, playing this gig, uh, is there a different kind of preparation that goes into it? Because Okay, well, first off, what is it like to play for, because I've been in this situation before, mm. so I, I want to hear from you guys. What is it like to play for, quote unquote, your heroes? Mm. Like, what is that like? What, is there a different kind of preparation? Terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying, but also, you know, that the lucky thing for us is that we have been, again, we've been a band for so long that we've had a lot of preparation time so you know like at the end of the day like i th as as nervous as we might get you know playing in front of our heroes or playing for some of our heroes i think i think we can bring it i know? feel like, like it's when when the time comes it's almost easier this way uh, this I'm, I'm pretty confident playing you know our set I, I have to admit though when we jammed with the roots during south by i was shitting my pants <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so we sat in with them they did a whole thing uh south by southwest this year where they invited some of the musicians playing to play and and we were lucky enough to to sit in and play with them, nice. and that was yeah. the craziest, craziest. Thing. You know, it's one thing to play like you know your set, the music that you you know have written and know you know like the back of your hand, and it's another to just you know go into a live jam situation you know where you've you've had maybe a one quick rehearsal and mm -hmm. and you know the you know the roots of pros yeah yeah <laughs> he, is, he runs is such a tight ship out right. there it's does so, he it's so cool <laughs> he does we wouldn't know anything about that no, but talk about that real quick because the way that yeah. Quest like throws his cues it's at the so same crazy. time while he's playing drums like he's music director yeah. yeah he'll say uh, just you know they'll, they'll they'll I'm sure they've run through the songs you know a couple times before I don't but, think so but they may yeah just have the charts yeah it's amazing he'll just say you know like you know all right slow down or give me give me four hits or you know just you know or we're ending you know two bars you know and just and they do it like it like it was you know practiced a million times it's very like revolution like the revolution yeah yeah exactly i read uh that prince was a big influence on you guys yeah man he was a huge influence you know i i would say that my two pillars that i always go to with anything that i ever have written or or write or will write in the future or do just in general it's like there's always there's bruce springsteen Okay. And there's Prince. Yeah. What about those two? What about what about Well, I feel like if I do anything that I that I could see maybe being in line with either of them, then it's then I'm on the right, on track, the right track. You gotcha. know, like gotcha. Prince was just the consummate entertainer and performer and he just I mean, he's like so many people can speak way more eloquently on on <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend that was Prince, you know, than I can, but he was just a huge, huge influence uh, on on everything that I do, and such a great performer and singer and musician, and and Springsteen is his storytelling is is what gets me, and his his just authenticity, and he's so generous, you know. I just saw him play at Barclays um, recently, and. Mm -hmm. The way have you guys seen his his show? I mean, it's like a on TV. Yeah. Well, yeah. what he does is like he starts the show off. And the house lights are up in the arena, and he just walks on stage. Oh wow! The house lights stay up for the first three songs, so it's just like a wedding band is there playing <laughs> for you for an arena, but it's Bruce and his right. whole band, and then the lights go down. And he does the show, and it gets more theatrical at the end. 
lights come back up in the last like six songs of the set after he's played for what like three hours wow. or something he's he's you know taking requests from the audience he's bringing people up on stage he's just wow. so he's so good with his fans and with his people that i you know i i just like i i really admire that what's it like to have your songs Everywhere, I think like, like, <laughs> like I was in the supermarket the other day and Unsteady came on and I, oh. I feel like you're like that, it's like it's it's surreal to me to think that like you're in your house one day you write it's song surreal to me like, because I, I never hear it anywhere and oh really people <laughs> always are just like I hear it everywhere but and it's I'm like ah like, oh, what world do you live in because I don't hear it ever like I have I have small kids who listen to pop radio all day and it's uh. one of the one of those six songs that like every twenty minutes you hear it again and again and, again. and it's wonderful it's just a, it's that's just, good to hear you have to, yeah that's I mean it's good to hear that you say it's wonderful because I was about to say it's one of those things where it's it's really flattering but I'm also always nervous that it, it gets obnoxious for people uh, you know I never I don't want our songs to become the that annoying song oh god that's on again man no, it's, the like, oh, it's the it's children late, that are yeah. annoying yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my children are annoying not your song <laughs> I'm sure they're angels oh yeah little, little total they just flap around <laughs> daddy 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 that's how I go yeah All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The young lady we have in the house right now, uh, I first became familiar with her uh, opening for Jill Scott back ah. in 2015. And um, I was just like, man, like she's fucking dope. I just keep it real simple. I was oh, like, thank you so really much. Dope. Um, some of you may have know if you're up on Ty Dolla Sign. Shout out to my man, Ty Dolla Sign. Ty. Uh, 
his record Horses in the Stable off of Free TC. Uh she wrote that record. We gotta talk about that. Yeah, we gonna we gonna talk we gonna talk about the horses <laughs> in the stable. Uh also wrote for uh Diddy every day. Um she was in the movie Chirac, which I wanna talk about. I actually uh, saw that one. And uh I wanna talk to her about something that's very important and near and dear to my heart. I wanna talk about her goddamn ribs. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that's really what I that's the the, 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 the focus yeah, my rib of today's game. episode. Just saying my rib game is crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, give a big Quest Love Supreme round of applause for Tish. Yo. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the show. Man, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for taking this time out on the show day to do this with us. Thank you so much. Aw, thank you for having me. Okay, so listen, all right. Fuck out the bullshit. Real. Right. Yes. All right, so real. Okay, so what's your... I, I don't want to give away your... You know, don't give away your, your formula, but what do you... Do you, do you smoke? Or are you a... What's your, what's, your, what's your preferred method? Charcoal, gas... Break it down for the people. I mean, you know, sweet baby rays, yes. dry roll. Come on, come on. Yes, let's, sweet let's, baby come on, let's go. Right. Let's go. Let's talk uh, about it. Well, first, I gotta get some really nice pork. They have to be pork ribs. You of know? course, beef yes. ribs. Really, is, yeah, nah, it's not the. It's not, not the, real the same. Thing. And I'm out. It's like, it's cool, but it ain't the same. You know, you gotta get the pork ribs. You know, get a nice rack of ribs. You gotta have it. Gotta have then that I pokey season beef. these ribs overnight. <laughs> now I get a rib rub. You know, it, you know, I get a Laurie's rib rub. You know, get a Larry's little large rib, rub. rib okay. rub. I rub it down. You know, I massage it into the rib. It's all about the massaging. You can't just like pour it on it. You got to massage it in. You know, flip it over, turn it, mm. massage it. You got to really get ribs? involved. In it. Yes. It's like smack it up, flip it, rub it down. So, so I'm rubbing the ribs right now with the with the with the with the uh, the rib rub. Then I take a little a little nutmeg and a little cinnamon, ooh, and I get ooh. that in there, and okay. I put that on okay. there. I'm rubbing these things in. And now I'm like, all right, baby, I'm going to put it in the fridge. You know what I'm saying? It's going to stay in the fridge. Baby a rib? Yeah, the yeah, baby's a rib. The baby's a rib. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving this rib. You got to make sure this rib got lots of love. When I cook, I cook with love. I don't cook every day. But anybody who knows me knows when I cook, I cook with love. I go all out. Nice. So, you know, the rib go in there. Now, minimum of three hours. But I've done an overnight thing. It depends on how soon I want to eat these ribs. Got to do them slow and low. You know what I'm saying? Got to do them slow and low. So I let them sit in there for a couple hours. Then I come back. Put on a big pot of boiling water, and I put nutmeg in that water, cinnamon in that water, a lot of ground pepper. Excuse me, I'm going to take some. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, like, this is like, I just. It's a process. I, this is, it's, the, it's my one dish, honestly. <laughs> okay. It's no not time. Like, it, it's like it's my chili. Like it's like, it's like my chili. No, it's like chili. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mac and cheese is hit or miss. Sometimes it's dry. Last time oh. I made it, I messed it up. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm not going to sit here like I'm mad. But this one, I got. You know, I got gotcha. it. And my salad game is on, too. Okay. So let's get back to the ribs. So I put them in the water. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about the it. The ribs are in the water. They're boiling. They're boiling on a nice medium fire. I leave them to do what they do with the water. They're boiling. They got the nutmeg. Everything's happening. I start to smell the aroma in the air. It's like you smell a sweet smell of, of cinnamon and nutmeg. It's mm. in the air now. It's like, oh, snap. <laughs> so now, you know what I'm saying, after like two hours of boiling them, I think they about ready, you know? Okay. They got to be falling off. You got to see little meat bits gotcha. and, you know, foam at the top. That's when you know. you like, dude, the foam is this? Like, right, yes. Right. Now I'm draining out the foam, draining out the water, and I'm taking this nice succulent cooked meat already that's all marinated in this greatness, and I'm taking the Sweet Baby Ray's out now. Woo! Oh. Sweet Baby Ray's, for okay. those of you who may be listening, is one of the top 
barbecue and black household. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it comes in several uh, it varieties. Yes. It has a sweet and spicy. It has like, it, it's a lot. They come a teriyaki? In, they come in for, they do have a teriyaki, but I wouldn't fuck with that. Man, you want to yeah. stick with the sweet and the spicy. They come in for Jack Daniels. Mask, like mm-hmm. ma- They come in for their corners. That's that's what they're doing. They you know in, what? They come for I stick with the original, the original uh, uh, sweet baby because you know, that's the one I know. And I, I jazz it up, though. I don't just pour that on it. See, that's not where we stop. First, we get okay. the sweet baby raisin. I grab a little honey. Mm. Then I go grab the nutmeg and cinnamon once more. Okay, wait. We got the Quest Love that. doll is drooling. <laughs> I, ain't, yo, I ain't even know that was Quest. I tried to name Tyrone. That's Krusty, baby. I, I said, oh, I see the sticks now. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, yeah, we're going to hook you up, Krusty. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying? Now we done got the oh shoot. Well Quest lay down. <laughs> now we now we done got the, you know what I'm saying? We got the we gotta sprinkle that on. So now I pour the honey on top first, mm. cause that's gonna give it the sticky part. You put that on once and now I'm turning this thing over about three or four times before I'm serving this. Gotcha. First, and doing this over and over. The first layer is honey, boom. Then I go pour some of that cinnamon nutmeg, cause it's gonna stick to the honey. Then I get my little brush, paint it on, boom, boom. Then I pour a sweet baby raise a little bit Another at a time. Layer. On top, then I cook it in the oven. Cook it for 15 minutes. Flip it over. Do it again. Flip it. Flip it. Flip it. Flip it. Flip it. Until I'm tired of flipping it. I don't really have no amount of numbers. Until I'm hungry and it look good, and I just keep doing it. And by the t- man, I'm talking about like you got the rib, you got the thick layer of like glazed barbecue, and it's not it's not like all like too much juice. It's just like right on the rib, and then the ribs just falling off. And they fall off the bone. Yeah, you know, I, I gotta do it again. Man. I haven't made ribs in a minute, but yes. Ladies and gentlemen, that that's was my dish. <laughs> yeah, with the award winning. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm t- I got, yeah, I got, I got the itis, the itis yeah. just from listening to that <laughs> recipe. Oh, but wait, she sing and she rhymed too. <laughs> oh yeah, what, yeah. We gonna get to the we gonna get to the music. But we we're ribs hungry. first. But we ribs. Come on, ribs Sorry. is, is, is <laughs> yes. important. Wait. See, she ain't bring none with her though. Ah, see, yeah, we gotta I, have you back. I just landed at six a.m. because oh. I just was thinking. I was like, if I would have known they was in my ribs like that, man, I could have hooked that up real oh. quick. Man, you got a show. I got you. We'll be It's a show day. Yeah, it's show day. You got rest up. Way more important. It's like your first Roots Picnic performance, right? Yes. No, 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 no. I've done Roots Picnic. I did Roots Picnic in Philly, but it's the first Roots Picnic in New York. Uh, Okay. Period. So I'm so glad to be a part of that. Man, I listen to your music and I hear um, in a fantastic way, not in a derivative way at all. I'm definitely hearing some Lauren. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hear Missy. Uh Um, Talk to me about your influences. Like what, uh, what kind of stuff did you grow up listening to? Um, You sing and rap like equally as well. Which is very rare because, like, some cats can either do one or the other. You should know. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I try every now and again. I, I get it right. Um, but no, um, you have raw fucking talent. Thank you so you know much. What I mean? And um, so, talk to us about just honing that. Like, what you listen to coming up. What was your start? Well, I really loved music a lot. So, um, well, when I was very young, my mom had me singing under a little light, a little light with her. I was like six, and we used to sing like all kinds of different old school songs because that's what my mother plays. So she had me singing Frankie Lyman. Oh you know, wow! Like old uh, wow. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was all about that life. So she had me on the Frankie Lyman. She had my sister singing Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All. I sung oh, Dionne wow. Warwick's That's What Friends Are For. Did you have to sing? Because I think it was a rite of passage in every black like entertainer 
singing the greatest love of all at a talent show did you have to do that was no that a talent show? you know at the time <laughs> see that's what led me into rap because at the time my sister could sing that and i never got the chance because they my mom would be like oh you ain't got the chops for that you're gonna sing a you know what you sing good you're gonna sing dion Warwick. and i was like <laughs> and i would be like cool no disrespect to dion she's a legend and amazing but i was like this is not that hard that's what friends are for, you know? I thought it was so easy. And my sister's getting to go, the greatest love. You know what I'm saying? She's getting all the moments. I'm like, man. So I got into rap after that ah. because I was getting tired of being like, told to sing this or that. And I was like, man, my sister could sing, man. I don't need that. What was your first rap? What was your, your, your early hip-hop influence? Shoot, like my brother really, because it, like honestly, in my neighborhood, everybody rapped. Like that was just the way it was. Like we hang out, rap, but my brothers were older. Like my brother's a few years older than me and his friends were older, but for some reason we all wanted up hanging out all the time. Like it was kind of strange. Like it what always year, seemed like- what, Around what year was this? Shoot, I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, 93. Oh, wow. You so know? this is like- yeah, so we was Midnight rapping. Marauders, That's what was popping. Like, so you know, it was interesting though because I was probably about ten, and you know, but I was hanging out. Everybody, everybody was hanging out, and it was just like lots going on. You know, we were like little adults, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were rapping, and everybody rapped. My brother rapped, and everybody. I, I remember the first time I seen him rap, and he was just like, I don't know what he was saying, but I remember the word was like, "Get off my ball, Zach!" And everybody was like, oh! <laughs> everybody was like, oh! Fishbone, and I was like, "Yo, that was dope." And I started like, actually, I wanted to rap, and he started writing my raps for me. My brother, he he wrote me like two or three raps, and they were dope. And I would spit them, and then people were like, "That sound good," but your brother wrote it, and I was like, "Oh." Do you remember any of those? Nah, man. I mean, (laughs) I remember my early raps that I began to write. Like, I I think I don't don't remember anything he wrote because I was too young, but I quickly got out of that. I just started stealing his raps without his permission (laughs) and like (laughs) rewriting them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that's how I was getting my templates. And then I moved to a better neighborhood because it was real violent in that neighborhood. So it was like shooting all the time and robberies and everybody was fighting. I had so many fights like by that time. It was crazy. This is the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, this is in the Bronx. So it was just a crazy time. So my mom was just trying to like get us away from there. So she moved us uptown to the Bronx. It was a little bit better. These kids weren't as wild as the kids I grew up with earlier. The the little adults that we were. These were actual children. Their parents really like were in there and like. So uh, when I moved uptown, wasn't nobody really rapping like that. So I kind of like just chilled. I was like twelve and I was just like trying to focus on like school. But I started writing like songs. Okay. And these were singing songs, not yeah, like rap songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because because okay. Montel Jordan came out with "This Is How We Do It," and <laughs> yes, then, we know. <laughs> we're very familiar. We yeah, and when it came out, <laughs> I just one. got transferred to this new school. So you know, I didn't know anybody really in my class, and I'm sitting there, and, and I remember hearing the song, and I, and I just <laughs> was in this class, and I go, "This is how we do it." <laughs> And the thing that everybody loved the best was that I did sha na 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 And everybody in class was like, yo, this nigga, she's cool. And that was it. Every day they was like, sha na 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 So after a while, it was just like, I became that musical person. Everybody's like, yo, you funny, you musical. So, and they used to call me Biggie. They used to call you Biggie. Yeah, man. Why Biggie? Because I would rap in class and sing. And I, it got to a point, like, after the start of singing, I started getting popular, you know, so I started loosening up. I'm starting to just, now at the lunchroom, when you come to lunchroom, you see me, like, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We all chilling. Everybody's like, oh, oh, oh. And they're like, Biggie, Biggie. And it was just like, a, it was like, wow. and, 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 and I was, and you know what? Honestly, I, I, I was young. I was in an awkward stage. My hair was really weird. And like, I was kind of fat. You know, I was uh. like, I'm chubby. You know what I'm saying? I was, yeah. I, okay. So. And I sounded like Biggie. I don't know. It was weird. So I was uh, reading, um, you know, you have. You know, been working out and you dropped more than 40 pounds. I dropped 75 pounds. Ooh. 75 pounds. Yes. You are like tweeting, talking about my life right now because that is my struggle. Because like I want to lose 75 pounds, <laughs> but I love ribs. <laughs> yeah. So how do you balance? Talk, talk, talk us through. This is a very good question. <laughs> that process, like how do you negotiate? Well, first of all, congratulations on yes. that. Thank That's you. Amazing. Thank you. And, um, how does that, uh, you know, being in better shape, working out, how do you work that into your creative time? Like recording, does it fuel uh, your creative time? Like how does that all work together? Well, I wake up every morning. Every morning I wake up and I go to the gym. It's just at this point it's part of my life. I yeah. mean, I think uh, what happens is this. You know, when you're young, you can eat whatever you want and, and it doesn't affect you. You can drop pounds really easy and it doesn't affect you. So as you get into your 20s, you you you, you begin to just, you still think this way and it's not really necessarily that way all the time. Your metabolism oh, nah. nope. absolutely slows down. And I had gotten into a relationship and my partner can cook and she, and she was just like she was cooking and cooking it was like she was putting sugar in my water i was getting God so damn. fat i blew up she put i blew sugar up in your water? no it was like she put oh, sugar in my water oh, it was like it was like i blew i blew up like a tick you know what i'm saying i was so <laughs> fat i got to 240 pounds you feel me yeah. and um and before that, I wasn't really that big. I, I went through phases, like blow up. I was at skinny, awkward, fat stage at 12. Then at 16, I got hot. I thought I was a shit. Then, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I stayed the shit until like 24. And then I got in a relationship, got chubby again. And I just kind of went, went back. I got in the mortgage business. When I was there, I kind of got fat. But what, what ultimately led it was just, just coming to an understanding that, A, I wanted to be able to perform. And that was the main thing. Like, I really loved to perform. And I wanted to be able to move. And I wanted to feel good. And I wanted to fit clothes. I wanted to fit jeans. I wanted to fit designer jeans. That was really the main thing. Yeah, I was like, I have to. They, they can't. They designer don't. Designer jeans for men of us. No, they don't make it for anyone. No, you know, and like you would think that you know, <laughs> I, I could fit a, a, a man's pants. No, yeah, yeah. They just like they don't make them. So I was like, you know what? I want to be able to perform. I want to look great. I want to buy clothes. I wasn't buying clothes. I was just like buying T-shirts and stuff. And I wanted to just feel good. And it's the best antidepressant that there is. You know, mm. like they're just working on when you know you feel good and you're healthy. Like. Nothing can get you down. You don't even have the money, but you feel good about yourself. Um, it was just a dedication. And, and what, what the, the first thing you have to realize when it comes to losing weight is that it's a lifestyle change, but it's only, like, hard for a period of time. So, like, it took me six months to lose 40 pounds to look good enough to be like, damn, I'm there <laughs> to keep me going, right? And from that point on, it was no longer a struggle to even go to the gym because I felt I seen yeah, the results. I, I wanted to see more. Gotcha. So what was so, seeing those results, was that how you got over the, the hump to, to, to keep it or to make it a more permanent part of your No, it was style? permanent from the moment I decided to do it. I was like, that's it. I'm going on a diet. I went on a diet, intense diet of four ounces of meat, four ounces of vegetables, three times a day, broth and freaking two crackers, a gallon of water. And that's what I had to wow. do. And I was hungry and I had to sit my behind home sometimes, a lot of the time and not drink. And I went to the gym three times a day, and I went to hiking at the same. Uh, so you're very, the same very strong willed, like you, had you, you, to be. You yeah, had to be. Yeah, yeah Fonte, you ain't doing any of but, that. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll go to the gym. Neither are you. But, but if yeah. you want to, if you really think about it, you only had. I only had to do that for like six months to a year, and then now it's like 
I go just, through. I'll go beast out on a meal. I'll gain. I gained twenty pounds in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you're, you're, just, you're just in maintenance but, mode now, right? But <laughs> when I gain twenty pounds, I come home. I get on skin. I'm like, damn, you messed up. Come on, Tish. All right, now it's salad. It's salad. It's, it's easier to go back. So I it's just say. like it's like it's like a small period of time for you to change your whole entire life. But once you do it for one year, six months, one year, you're done. Like for with the hardest part. You know how to do it. You're done. You, you know what's healthy. You even like it, honestly. Because you start to like, you like feeling like, oh, all right, I'm not eating nothing too heavy. I can't you know even make it to six weeks. Man. Father, we're going hiking. Let's go hiking. Look, I'm sitting down. You're a gym. And I'm, I'm wearing baggy you're clothes. You're a gym visit. You know no. what I'm saying? You're three gym visits a week from being what you want. It's not about food for you, really, because you're small. It's like when you're bigger, you're trying to lose weight. So it's like kind of a little bit more of a struggle. You and a woman. Well, you know what? That's what they say. But that you know is. what? As a woman, I will tell you, it is not. It is not true. Talk to but the doctor, Tish. wait a minute. Come on, Dr. Tish. <laughs> no, it's not true. It's no, not they say true. that men shed weight much faster. They do shed weight faster with less. We just have to do the max and we'll shed the same. Okay. So basically, oh, like. always got to work more. Okay, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, they because they, they got mm. more testosterone really? and the muscle. Some of the things they eat will go to the right places. We have water, and it just goes to the wrong places. So that just means that we don't cheat, and we it will succeed. It's just you can't cheat. Men can cheat a little. I bit don't more. think the water can go to a wrong place anywhere on a woman. I like some salt. <laughs> I can show you. I can show you some things. <laughs> I can show you. No problem with none of that. I don't mind. You know, if you got the tiger stripes, got a little hair damage well, on the booty, it's all good. You know, a couple stretch muscles or whatever. You know, it's like no one's perfect, and, and honestly, there's nothing wrong with stretch muscles. It's like whatever. Yeah. But it's just more about how you feel. And really, honestly, you only get one body, and the older you get, the more you need that body to work the way you want it to. And if you don't work it out and you don't take care of it now, it will affect you at some point. So it's either now or later. The harder it gets, is, is the older you get, the harder it gets. So is any time, the time is now. Oh, I'm in there with you always. You feel me? This, this, this conversation yeah. is so right on time because I've been trying to get my ass back into the gym mm-hmm. and like. I just kind of needed that push. I think I'm. Oh, you guys I'm you with you. Yo, we it's should do. You know what? York, I think we should it's do a quest Don't love supreme. Don't look at me. <laughs> me and Bill just ordered rims. No, we should do a quest love, a yeah. team supreme fit challenge. Uh, like so, we all see. If we do this, then I actually have to follow through. No, I'm yeah. saying, bro, we we gotta hold each other accountable. Man. I swear right, to God. Right, right. Think about it. You lose three pounds a week on a good diet, like literally drinking a gallon of water a day. Mm-hmm. Eating three, four ounces of chicken, four ounces of vegetable or lean meat and vegetable three times a day. And when you get hungry, sometimes it's not hungry. You're thirsty it's because thirsty. your yeah, body yeah. process is the same. And if you honestly drink a fucking bottle of water before you eat your meal, you'll be so full by the time you're like, you just got to eat slow. It's like all mental, bro. Yeah. Your stomach yeah. does not, you don't need that much to survive. You don't. And it's just healthy for you. It is, it is good for you. And honestly... Um, it takes, you can, th- if you want to lose 20 pounds, right? Three, six, nine, twelve, fourteen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's y'all like, was doing mad. If you really, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was trying up. and then I was like, eh, thank you. <laughs> just, just under two months and but, you're good. But you feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you really, really look at it, like, boom, boom, boom. You, I swear, you'll, you'll just, it'll just change you. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. 
I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're sitting here uh, with Tish. You know what I'm saying, Tish, um, Hi, Tish. incredible rapper, Hello. singer, rib cooker extraordinaire, <laughs> motivational speaker. <laughs> for real, for real. She is like doing all kind of ministry <laughs> right now. This is Quest Love Supreme on Pandora. We're broadcasting live from the Roots Picnic. Uh, Want to talk about your newest project, dedication dedicated to? Yes. Who is this project dedicated to? Um, dedicated to is dedicated to anyone who's ever felt like because of where they're from or their circumstances that they could not do more or they were in a bad place. Um, and I'm also dedicated to letting these people and everyone know that no matter what it is you want to do with your life, you can do it. You just have to be dedicated to. And, you know, um, it's just a lot about the story. For me, the story just is is inspirational because I've been through so many things and I've still managed to be happy and be a nice person and continue to do what I love. So I hope that it inspires people. What are some of the things that you've been through that you felt? Ooh, inspired? I mean, you know, well, first I was in a foster home when I was a kid for a few years and that sucked very badly. Mm -hmm. Lots of incidents in there. You know, lost a lot of friends to just different deaths, violence, uh, drug abuse, um, accidents. Um, jail, uh, my cousin got killed, and just lots of stuff happens in life. I'm sure everybody has their own hardships, but um, sometimes when these things happen to you, you feel like you're defeated, and you think that it's over, but it's really not. So my whole point is like one bad day doesn't make a bad month. One bad month doesn't make a bad life. It's just like to stay happy and stay dedicated to being happy because it's free, honestly. And uh, it's the it's the one thing that really can't no one take away from you. Very much so. You can give that to yourself. Do you ever feel uh, sometimes like being a person that like made it out of that you know that situation that negativity? Mm -hmm. Do you ever sometimes feel like you know survivor's guilt, or do you feel like the one that made like what is? Because I have those feelings, you know, for me sometimes. But what is that like for you to know that you're 
one of the few, if not the only, yeah. to escape that hardship? Well, it is definitely difficult, uh, and I definitely have, have felt that feeling. I guess more in the beginning of coming into any successes when I was in the mortgage business and I was making money and and I was helping everybody it still had it came with its feeling of damn I wish that they were just good without me Mm. or and I moved to California and I've been there for five years you know getting the news from home that's not always so pleasant yeah uh, but you know ultimately everyone's life is in their hands I have to come to terms to that. And also, I'm not giving anything. I'm working so hard to achieve the things that I want. And I always have. And I think that that's the only thing that can get a person where they want to be. So ultimately, no. I feel like when I get these uh, people that that have things going on or I feel these feelings or people make me feel this way, I make them feel like, well, I can help you do something. But if you're not willing to do something, and then this is on you. Exactly. You know, and it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's never, it's nothing to do with me. When you say you're working uh, so hard, what is your average day? Like what does, in terms of your creative process, is it something you do every day? Um, what, what is just a day in the life of Tish? What is, what is um, like? Well, they, they vary. Um, it's been, it's been through cycles. So when I first got to LA every day, I was in studio sessions about three or four a day. I was is recording. Is you and Ty hooked up? Um, no, me and Ty met at IHOP. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Random, you know, me and Jill Scott met at a, a party, you know, just hanging out by the pool, freestyling for 10 hours. So uh-huh. it's just random stuff. L.A. is very small, the industry. But um, when I first got there, I didn't know anyone. I wasn't published. I needed to make money or figure something out. So I just went to as many sessions as I could. I worked so much. I would sometimes not even be able to speak, but I could sing and I would just go record. Um, so that was the first two years, and then the third year, I spent recording this album. And days were like uh, those days were actually, actually I was going through a lot of financial strain, um, and I was trying to put together the record. I was still very overweight, and um, I was not I wasn't managed, and I was just trying to figure it out. I did three or four records every three or four months. Oh wow! You know, so it was interesting that period. And in 2014, I spent touring a bit and like performing much more and started spreading awareness about the album you know and it's just been kind of like it just changes but right now my daily day consists of i wake up in the morning i go to the gym first thing as soon as i wake up i go to the gym spend about an hour there come home and walk the dogs and uh you know just start working (laughs) on the phones you know finding out what i have to do for the day right now i'm recording a new album so I'm doing a lot of that and then bouncing around to performances. When you record, are you, do you record yourself? Do you mm-hmm. uh, have engineers? Like oh, you yeah, I have an engineer. I record at Universal Studios, ah. my publisher, ah, and they are very supportive. They're the best publisher in the world, I think. They've been great to me, and they have always been behind me. So I use their studio, and I have an engineer, and I have my producer friends, and we kind of just all hang out, pile on the studio. And I usually have ideas that I have already before I come to the studio. Okay. Um, so that we can kind of work on. And this album is just so awesome because I got dedicated to Out the Way, dedicated to is the autobiography, basically. Um, this album is more about, like, what 
I'm doing in LA or like <laughs> or like love. It's gonna be much more sexual. There's a lot more going on on the second album, so I'm very excited about oh, it too. Okay. There's a lot more love. Like, well, that's, yeah. that's good to hear. I wanted to tell people the beginning. I feel like uh, people skip steps, and I, I don't want to skip any. So although I, I was dedicated to, it was about how I felt from birth to maybe like you know early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm in a whole nother place mentally, but I felt the need to make pe- sure people understood, like, yo, this did not come without. Oh my God! This, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, it's, it's so good to hear you say that. I have a son, my youngest, oldest son is 15, mm-hmm. and he wants to do music. Mm-hmm. And I have to explain to him that I think for for kids coming up now on social media, pretty much all they're seeing is like a highlight reel, and it's trying to get them to understand that like you're seeing a very carefully curated selection of shots from a person's life. So you'll see, you know, who, Rick Ross, Drake, whoever on the jet, mm-hmm. but you don't see what it took for them to get that jet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for you to hear you say that you take people through the whole journey and not just, yeah. I'm on, nigga, I'm cooking ribs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we build up to the ribs. Oh, like, yeah. That's, that's and dope. still building. There's a lot of glamorizing that happens Um outside of the industry how how I try not to it's not like I'm trying to de-glamorize it but I try to be a little bit more realistic about it because totally. I don't want to I I don't like that all kids want to be artists and all kids want to be basketball players and all kids I when I was a kid you know there was various fucking professions people said <laughs> like, where do you want to be when you grow up right. I want to be a doctor I want to be a lawyer I want to be a fucking secretary I want to be a fucking president you know what I'm saying now I was like I'm going to be a rapper I'm going to be a trapper I'm going to be a rapper it's like and it's ridiculous and it's like I, so for me, I try to tell them, like, look, before you get all those tattoos on your face and think that you're just going to come in here, yeah, rap about right, nothing, right. and you're going to make it. Think about a job interview. <laughs> yeah, you might want to think about it because there's not any money. And unless you're trying to, like, really, like, these rappers, I don't know how they're getting these chains. I guess they're getting them for free. I don't know, but there's no freaking real money right now unless you really, really, really are doing something. Now, there's a few that they pop up, and, you know, you get your time. But if you're spending all your money yeah, foolishly, yeah. then you're you're gonna yeah, be right back. And now, it. and nowadays with the drugs being so heavily promoted in music, that's mm-hmm. a big campaign I'm running now on my on my Instagram and social wow. networks. I'm fighting lean. I hate lean. Mm. I think wow. it's I know it's synthetic heroin, mm-hmm. and I know that it's being marketed in our communities and to our children via rap music. And I know it's no different than when crack was put on our corners in the '80s. No different whatsoever. Church. Yeah, that that nah. It's no and it's so. Whatsoever much worse than the 80s because at least in the 80s no one knew I mean I guess it's the same but I guess crack was just so fucked by the 90s you're like don't do crack it's like so obvious but now it's like do the lean do the lean yeah, cool. right, do right. the zins yeah, do the zins like, are you fucking kidding count. yeah it was different like I think in the 80s and in, in 90s rap we celebrated the drug dealer Mm-hmm. Which I mean had his own set of dysfunction problems. anyway. Yeah, That's yeah, problem yeah, as well. Yeah. We celebrate the drug dealer, but now we celebrate the drug user. And I'm right. like, how the fuck did we get here? I mean, even then in the '80s, if you really think about it, like the biggies and the, the drug rappers, right? They said it in retrospective point of, mm-hmm. points of view. Like, I used to sell this, now right, I'm right, doing right, that, right, right. and now I used to do it. These motherfuckers like, I'm shooting niggas today. I'm popping niggas today. <laughs> Wait, y'all got to right 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 break down lean because. Uh, 
I'm a die. I'm a fan. Yeah. That's yeah, the new single. Yeah, right yeah, that's, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. The new single. I'm kidding. I'm shooting niggas today. It's no, fucking Steve horrible. Okay, we got to break down lean. Yeah. Okay, for some people who may are culturally unaware listeners. <laughs> okay, it's lean. It's like sizzling. Here we it's, go. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like it a piece sizzling. of sizzling. It's no. horrible. Okay, sizzling. It's, sizzling is a synthetic fucking... Uh, Meat. Food substance. Yeah, food substance. <laughs> it's like spam. I'm meats. glad somebody knew what sizzling was. I was like, is that Jamaican for sizzling? Sizzling, That Darlene sister, nigga. Nah, that's uh, nah, that's uh, okay. So lean is a substance. It is like coating mixed with was was promethazine. Yeah, it's promethazine, oh, and people would mix it mix it with uh, like sprite, soda, sprite. So and, yeah, with like just for example, future. And, yeah. Why do uh, I know dirty all this sprite. stuff? I know, I know. I listen to it. It's much. in the music. Dirty That's yeah, why thank they're you, thank educating you, thank you, thank it you. and promoting it to children that are 14 and 15. Let's just be clear. It's fucking heroin. They put it in a soda with some candy and they stir it up. They look like damn assholes and they make people think right. that that's cool. It's horrible. It's yeah. fucking horrible. Shout and out it, to Gucci Mane who overcame his Exactly. Oh. He, he dropped his. He dropped the gut. He is like Yo. eating like vegetables and shit now. Yo, and Gucci you know Mane, what? He still got the face tattoo. He, right? he still got the ice cream but, that's but he lost the gut. That's his past right in front of him. That's yeah, his that's past great. right in front of him. He's being a I black I fucking leader. love Gucci Mane because you know what? I didn't even listen to his music. I, I only knew one Gucci Mane song. It was a very freaky girl. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I always was missed on a lot of that era so you know Trust when me. I seen Gucci man come out of jail and like hit, just be this amazing example of what not wanting to be in prison can do to you because I'm not gonna say what prison can do to you it's not wanting to be in prison that does this to you it's like oh shit I don't want to be here right and like I'm like thank you and I just hope and pray that he will make music that reflects Reflection. his new behavior and his new train of thought, which I think he will. And not only that, but he's also a, a very respected man in the business and in the street. And I hope that this will bring some light to the shit because this shit is killing these kids, man. They fucked up. They're walking around here looking like zombies. And I've seen it. I've seen it too many times. And I'm, I'm tired. We're broadcasting live today from the Roots Picnic yeah. in New York City. It's going down. I'm joined by three young men today. Um, these brothers... Uh, their sound to me, it like belies their age. I listen to it and they sound extremely polished, you know what I'm saying, for their ages. Way more polished than I was at fucking 18. My demos at 18 <laughs> didn't sound shit like what they were doing. My shit was actually really fucking bad. But uh, <laughs> y'all guys are, are dope. Uh, Dylan, Martin, and Jaden, ladies and gentlemen, give a big Quest Love Supreme round of applause for the Smashing Hearts. Good, y'all. Yeah. Hey, How y'all brothers feeling today, man? Good. Pretty good. All Excited. Right. So is it? So have y'all have they performed? Have y'all performed yet? Yeah, we yep. just got off stage. How did it go? How was it? It was crazy. Like, like the, the the vibe of the crowd and everything like that was awesome. And especially playing like for the first time at the Roots Festival in New York, dope. What yeah. was that? So on on stage, what's the setup? Who does what? Since I I was I play keys and I sing and I play guitar. Yeah. And you had an organ up on stage too. That was dope. Yeah, okay. had an organ today. Yeah, that was dope. B three. Ah, I was <laughs> the good old Hammond B three. What the preachers ring out on? It's time to take collection. You know, it's time to get that money. Go to the B three. That's true. Bass, bass rig. Yeah. Okay, that's what's up. Okay, so I think it's you, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, that I can clearly see. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the son of Dwayne Wiggins. Oh, yeah, okay. I see yeah. it too. I see it too. Oh, see, it's not. Oh, it's both of them. It's both of them. Okay, yeah. y'all, y'all are yeah. brothers. Yeah. Okay, sons away with. Um, I want to talk about you guys' sound. Um, listen uh, to the EP. I was pulling it up. Um, like I said, I mean, this stuff just sounds really, really polished, and it Thank sounds you. very, uh, very focused, and it just has a lot of. I don't know. It's just a lot of maturity, uh, way beyond you guys' ages. Um, you know, it just sounds very, very, you know, on point and just way more focused than I was at 18. Uh, <laughs> tell me that, you know, being that, you know, your father was who he is. For those, for the listeners, uh, their father, uh, Dylan and Jaden's father, uh, is Dwayne Wiggins from Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, an incredible uh, R&B soul group from uh, Oakland, California. Bay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bay, Bay. Bay Area. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm thinking Oakland Stroke. Is it? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, it was Oakland. Yeah, it was Oakland, right? Yeah. 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 I don't want to fuck it up. Dem and Hammer, right? Dem and Hammer. Yeah, yeah. And, and Oaktown 357? That's right. Get All of them. All right. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big ups to big ups to them. So, being uh, that you guys, what, growing up, like, what was that like? It was being around the music, like, what did that play an influence? Yeah, definitely, of course, you know where you grow up and how you grow up definitely plays an influence of what you're going to do. So the fact that our dad and uh, his dad before that was in the music, played guitar, blues player, was obviously, you know, we're going to we're going to be musicians no matter what. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean not like forcing, but it's just like it just came to us naturally. It's what we wanted to do. So when did you guys start playing? What ages? I don't remember not playing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then we started getting lessons probably when we were like 7, 5. Okay. Yeah. That must be crazy. Yeah. Dwayne Wiggins, your father, Raphael Sadiq, your uncle, were they harder on y'all? Honestly, or? I didn't even really know that there was a Tony, Tony, Tony until like what? maybe around 15, 14. And I went wow. to a public school and everybody was like, dude, you know who your dad is? You know who your dad is? I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, but that's interesting though. I, you know, I was, like I was telling you, Dylan, I have a son. Name <laughs> Dylan. Name, name Dylan. And um, it's it's very similar, you know. Your your kids don't. I mean, because you know, growing up, it's just dad. Like you yeah. don't really know. I think you know, it was the same thing. My kids were younger, and it was just okay. Daddy's going somewhere, and he comes back with money for food, <laughs> and that's just the extent of it. Yeah, but, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? But then as you get older, and people see it, it's like, oh shit, your dad is so and so and so. Were initially were they supportive of you guys like going into music? Definitely, yeah. 100%. I wanted yeah. to be a basketball player, though, at first. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they were supporting me doing that, too, like, coming to all the games. And, like, we'd go out of the, the state to do games and shit. That's what's up. Um, you guys, ages? Uh, Jaden, I'm 18. Okay. 18 as well. Martin, and I'm 18. I'm 20. Oh, wow. Okay. 18, 18, and 20. Dylan, 20. Like, yeah. what am I doing with you, my life? What, yeah. man? Yeah. What the fuck? Y'all are making me question so my life right now. <laughs> I'm so old. Oh, my God. 18, 18, and 20. And uh, for what I understand, uh, you, Dylan, um, mm-hmm. have already, you're like the musical uh, advisor or the, for Insecure. Issa yeah, Ray's I wish I was show. an advisor, but. Oh, okay. You just, you're not the advisor. You just no, doing yeah. music. No, yeah. I'm the scoring assistant. Ah. So, like, coming up with the scores behind certain scenes and, like, changing emotion with the, the score. Nice. That's what I do. And that is for, uh, for, for the listeners, that is for HBO's uh, new show, um, Insecure, featuring uh, Issa Rae uh, yeah. of Awkward Black Girl fame uh, from the internet. She has a new show entitled Insecure that is out now. 
and he what was the exact title the scoring assistant scoring that's what it's assistant. labeled as but i don't even know it's like yeah that whole process is pretty crazy like because you you know how much work goes into it and then when it comes on the screen it just looks like so effortless mm. like even though a lot of things were like timed up and like reversed out and all this kind of stuff so that's dope to see that happen and then we also, we got a song in there too we have a song called girls that we haven't released that's mm. going to be on the show so it's not in the first episode. Not in the first episode. It's going to be in the season, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's in the season. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's, that's really dope, man. So being that y'all have accomplished more in 18 years than most people have in their whole lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what? We're, we're, what? We're looking at you, Bill Sherman. We're looking at you, Bill. I've accomplished some shit. I've done some shit. Was that the insinuation? <laughs> no, it was, it was, that was from him. That was, a, that, that was You fun. have the G, the E, the T. I yes, yes, he has yes. a grand I've scored films uh, and Emmy. TV shows. It's hard. And it's hard. <laughs> shit is hard. And it looks like you're, like you said, like that shit comes easy. That shit's not easy. It's yeah. very mathematical and very precise and, and, and time consuming. But he so, could do it well, and he had well, hold on. How much time do you guys spend on an episode, would you say? Um, a week. A week? Okay. Yeah. But there's a lot of changes that go into it. Right. Like little changes. And so then if they want to change one thing, we got to rush back to the studio, change it before the day. Wow. Before yeah. the day. Wow. Yeah. Man, so, I guess, so my question, where do you go from here? Like, what do you guys see yourselves on next? Because, I mean, honestly, what, what you're doing now is generally thought of, I mean, just goals. working in music. That's goals. Yeah. And that's, like, kind of like the foreman grill of most musicians. Like, they hope to get to the point where you're doing now. So, what is the next step for you guys? We're just going to keep taking it day by day. It's like... Because everything we've done so far, we haven't really planned out. It's just like we've been following what we want to do, and it's just happened. So we just going to keep following that and see what happens. <laughs> has, uh, has your dad, has he given you any advice in terms of, okay, son, let me tell you what not to do. Like, what, <laughs> what, what has that been? Sometimes, yeah. They're, like, my, Ray, I mean, um, my dad and Uncle Ray are both, like, they give their opinions a lot. And okay. they have no... Yeah. No filter. filter. No filter. <laughs> like, like that shit sounds sloppy. Or no, like, okay, so what? So what? They, I mean, as much as you can share, you know, without like, what? What? What's some of the Uncle Ray and and pops? Well, Ray called Martin the weakest link of our band. Oh wow. no! He did. Yep. In the rear. In the rear. <laughs> Martin Teller back. Why you gotta share that shit? You can say a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Martin ain't said shit the whole time. That's no, but then I had to call him out. He said that on the first week, like when we started rehearsing at his studio. And then now he's like, I think Martin tearing that shit up. Maybe he was just trying to light a fire you, in your ass. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 That's, That's what he said. He was like, watch him come back. But but Martin, you're the drummer, right? Yes. So like do you what are you, who are some of your drummer influences? I mean, <clears throat> you don't have to say, but That's a I don't know, everybody always asks me that. I, mean, yeah. I just listen to so many people, it's kinda hard. Like everybody from like Art Blakey, like back in the oh, day too. to like Thomas Pridging, you feel me? Like Okay. I know, yeah. like a lot of people. That's dope, man. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> All right, you passed that test. Yeah, yeah. 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 We won't tell Quest Love. Don't worry. You don't have to shout him out at all. Yeah, he won't be. He won't be mad. He won't be mad at all. Well, uh, well, brothers, thank you so much uh, for yeah. coming by. Uh, thank you for you your guys. time. I know these things, doing this on a show day, is like not the most fun thing to do. But um, no, you know, fun. I'm in. I'm into your music, and please just stay. Keep doing what y'all doing, man. Keep doing what y'all doing. Thank y'all you. have been blessed to uh, have people in your corner that like kind of can guide you and hopefully can keep you from making a lot of mistakes that a lot of young artists make. And um, 
keep working, keep refining your sound, man. You guys are fucking talented, man. Thank you. Thank you. So Thank much. you. Really yeah. appreciate that. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Questlove, uh, and you're listening to a special Roots Picnic edition of the Questlove Supreme Show. Uh, we're an hour number two of the show, and I just wanted to jump in there because uh, I wanted to make sure you guys really understood how important these two dudes coming up next are to the world of hip-hop. Uh, Stretch and Bobito, Stretch Armstrong, Bobito Garcia. Uh, they hosted a radio show in New York in the 90s that fundamentally changed hip-hop and our lives forever. Um, what they would do is feature exclusive demo tapes and in-studio freestyles uh, for many unsigned hip-hop artists and gave them the chance to be discovered. Look, I know what you're thinking. Unsigned hip-hop artists on a radio show. Woo-woo, big deal. But, you know, it was a big deal. And there was a turning point for many artists. Uh, here's a short list of some of the acts that were featured on the show before anyone knew who their names were. Um, Nas, Big Pun, Jay-Z, Busta Rhymes, Fat Joe, Cameron, DMX, Wu-Tang Clan, The Fugees, uh, Talib Kweli, Big L, Notorious B.I.G. Stretch and Bobito really, really changed the game forever uh, with their radio show, and it really had a huge impact on the roots. And they were important to me and any kid that loved hip-hop. Uh, so I really wanted to make sure anyone listening knew how important these dudes were to hip-hop. Oh, and their documentary is really, really, really amazing. Uh, check it out. Now back to the show. We are gathered here today <laughs> <laughs> with uh, two luminaries. I don't think yes, that's overstated. Yes, special luminaries. luminaries. Wait, wait, wait. Three. Who, who's oh, that? Wait, who is that? Who is that? Oh, wow. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. The, who, me? The Quest Love. <laughs> the Quest Love Supreme. Oh, yeah. Hey, he's finally here. I'm like, I'm like Charlie Brown. I'm not even the star of my own Christmas special. <laughs> we just happy you here. We just happy coming. here. Now, the man of a million one jobs, he uh, was able to step away from the drum kit and uh, so many come in. And so uh, this is always well, it's because our special guests are here. Oh. Special without guests. without 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 these two, literally, I don't know. I mean, they're I don't know if they are the the, the Pavlov's bell of <laughs> of. <laughs> of hip hop or not? You heard but, that um, before? I, <laughs> that's a new one. That's, hey, I'm just saying, like you know, way back in, even back before we got signed, I remember one of the first, like the most exciting international things that ever happened to the Square Roots. Mm-hmm. Back when we were still busking on South Street, was the fact that um, we got invited uh, to to play an event for Bobito, um, who. I guess you just recently left his Def Jam post, uh, your job at Def Jam, and, yep. and you were just about to start the show up at Columbia. And so that was like a big deal, like super big deal. Anyway, I, I think I'm, did I just take over this introduction? No, man, it's our show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Stretch and Bobito. I just want to. Wait, we need a. You got to ooh 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 us. You make it official. Ooh ooh. Thank you. I just want to. I just want to start off by saying that it is one of my life goals. It is one of my life goals to be as happy one day in my life to be as happy as Bobito yes. was doing the ad libs at the end. Oh, oh at Doom. the end of MF Doom. <laughs> Rise like God. Rise like God. Really? Peanut butter, sauce, buttery. Biscuits, <laughs> and I get lost. And I get lost. Oh wow. man, um, we nah. we recorded that in my crib. Uh, MF Doom brought his sampler 
And I, you know, there was a lot of producers at the time who used to come by. Stress the same thing. We, you know, we both have a, a ton of stories of cats coming to our crib to borrow records. But Doom was like, "Yo, I'm gonna borrow a record and I'm gonna bring my sampler." And and you know, he recorded, he looped it up there, and he brought the mic and he was like, "Yo, just say some stuff at the at the end." I, I was like, "All right." Wow. I was thinking about you. You know that Def Jam song from '85, Russell Rush. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cold rock stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that to when I was like doing my little. Oh, that, skip, that was your version skip, of Cold Rock man. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Rush. Did y'all do that whole record in your at your crib? The nah, whole Operation nah. Doomsday. No, no, no. Just that. Just the um the rhymes like down. Man, mm. y'all want to talk about uh, particularly Fondalum Records, which was one of the most uniquely named. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I still. It was, I still a, it was a subsidiary of Squeeze'em. <laughs> Fondalum Records, yeah. Um, much like what uh, Amir uh, was saying in what you guys did for his band. Uh, with my first group, Little Brother, I remember when uh, ABB, uh, Benny B, I remember him telling us that y'all were playing our stuff. And I was like, holy shit. That was, we had arrived to us. Like, I'm like, yeah. stretching Bob was playing us. Like, that was. Little did you know. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let what, me. what was your arrival back then was merely a, a memory. <laughs> let, me, let me backtrack a little bit just to, to revise Questlove's history. So. Uh, the relationship between The Roots and me and Stretch's radio show actually dates back to a, a cat. I don't remember his name right now, but he had a, a, a hip-hop show. On, AJ Shine. AJ Shine. Wow. On that Dre was my uh, former files. manager. Yeah, on Drexel. Yeah, AJ and, was the Stretch and Bobito of Philadelphia. No oh, okay, okay. Yes. And I used to send him records. And so and from 89 to 93, I was a promotions rep at Def Jam. So he sent me a, a Organics CD when it was pre-released and... Brought it up to the show. Me and Stretch played that. This is like probably, I guess, 93? 90, yeah, Yeah, 93. 93. And then, so we had started on the, on the radio show in 1990. Had been giving love to plenty Philly artists. That was like nothing brand new. I mean, three times dope. Bahamadian. Uh, Baham yeah, I mean, all, all, all of them. But, um, but then I was, I was also hosting unsigned artist showcases at the New York and Poets Cafe. Prior yeah. to that, I was doing them at the Village Gate. It was a, a, a jazz meets hip hop showcase called Bebop, which eventually became all that. And the Roots played that pre yeah. the Geffen uh, signing. So there's a lot of or, organic, you know, meshing of the two, uh, of Stretch and Bob and the Roots from early, early on. And then, you know, as it goes on and Black Thought comes up solo. Um, I was, I was going to add that that, Actual show, even though I physically wasn't there because Razel was beatboxing, I was oh, wow. I was stuck on a gospel tour, but not <laughs> Who were like you playing yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Was it like the Mighty Clouds of Joy? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like you know yeah. Ralph Tresvant as. Your okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, arms too short. The, the box, box of God. God. <laughs> Just name Lilo Thomas. No, it wasn't that type of gospel no. tour. Like uh, uh, our bass player Hub had a. Uh, uh, a friend who did gospel music that basically toured churches, like we toured nightclubs. Okay. Um, so I just happened to, you know, it, it was like extra money, which is one of 500 bucks for like two weeks of, of work. So I wasn't there. So okay. Rozelle, they got Rozelle to beatbox the drums instead. And so I was in Overland, Kansas in, in the cornfields. And wow, listening to them on long distance, like like 
So you're on the phone. Right? I'm on the phone, and uh, one of my managers, Richard, was on a, a payphone <laughs> playing playing the. F- oh my god! And what? And they and they were playing. Uh, I know the roots were were live, like beatboxing. Oh, this was live on the show, and you. But it was that show that uh, the A and R that eventually signed us to Geffen. So those things. Well, Wendy. Well, Derek Jackson and uh, uh, the late Fran. Ah, uh, uh, Fran. She just passed away. Franny. Uh, Ah, it's escaping me right now. The head, not the heart. Yes, it's, yeah. she's still in my mind. Oh, Spiro, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I don't know why the head, not the heart, made me think of Francesca Spiro. But wow, she I died. Know. I didn't know that. From what I, yeah, Francesca Spiro yeah, uh, passed away like, oh, uh, like wait, wow. Francesca that used to work at Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. she passed away like, uh, wow. like three months ago. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, we used to work together when I was at Def Jam. Yeah, yeah. but her and Derek Jackson. Um, why are you laughing? Like? I'm just smiling because I, I, I always, I always have a tendency to kill the mood. On the yeah, show. I was like, "Ooh, Amir announced another death." <laughs> nah, nah, it's all it's good. It's, it's like a total hashtag. Nah, it's, it's, it's all good, man. We've been, <laughs> thanks for coming. Amir. Thanks, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, we pre- we were doing so well until You're you fired. showed up. Sorry, man. Yeah. We we're gonna rename. Anyway, the show. it was it was that show that that stretching puppy. Although that. coincidentally, coincidentally, that show was broadcast from a church. Really? Yeah. Wow. For when they were re- redoing the station, we were, That's right. WKCR was in Riverside Church. Matter of, yeah, so I was, I was going to say, the, I think the, the first time that we came there. So that was a church I was coming to the whole time? Yeah, it yeah. was the old WRVR uh, jazz st- uh, station that we, that we lived in for like just two years. Wow. So bugged out, little, little side fact. Talk about... Taboo sacrilege. Yeah, on a weekly basis. (laughs) Guaranteed. If they knew, if 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 the the cloth knew what was going on in their building, I don't think we would have lasted. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Wait, this, this is what I would always want to know from you guys. Um, how often would you guys, because I'd never saw muscle at your, at your radio station. Like when I would go to Def Jam, there was always <laughs> muscle. There was always a big security guy yeah. and and plexiglass and you know that's. But how often would you guys have to say the word no uh, to certain people? And well, it, oh. luckily, because I was I was DJing for four hours, so we didn't have commercial breaks. Nothing. I was I was DJing the so whole like, show. So. This guy. Damn, Freddie been... Fox, I didn't hear the phone ring. Like, like, <laughs> how, like, how does that work? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you know, the, the muscle was the brilliance of our show. So, luckily, like, 99% of the cats in the world, like, had so much it. respect for us and didn't want to cross us, you know. But it, there was definitely some incidences of uh, defacing property at the station when, when I was at the door and were like, yo, I'm sorry, I can't let all 30 of you in the studio because we don't know you and we've never heard of you. And, we had a quality control about who will get on the mic. So, mm. you know, everyone wants to be on because they knew that that could be the step to getting signed or to getting, you know, if right. you were signed, the step to getting love and record sales and all that. But uh, one, one time, my. Who's that group what, on Stepson? Bill Stephanie's label. Oh, and uh, they had like. Young Black Teenagers. No, but it was like, ah. no, that's soul. But oh. they had. Stop it. <laughs> oh, Trouble Neck. One Trouble, time, Trouble, 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 Trouble They came to Philly to AJ Sean show like fifty deep, <laughs> like five van loads deep, and I was like, "How does per diem work in that situation?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like who had the 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 biggest crew that would show up? Well, you know Wu what? Tang. Yeah. Well, actually, wow. so so little little background history for those who have have seen me and Stretch's documentary title stretching by Beatle Radio that changed lives. There's a moment in the film where we're discussing the Wu-Tang moment, the Wu-Tang incident when they showed up 30 deep to with the what's station. What's her name? With uh, Mimi Valdez, Mimi the former editor-in-chief. I never knew she worked there. At Vibe? Oh, no, at I never show. knew she worked there. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. See, I knew her as the Vibe editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you gotta, you gotta that see did the, not like the roots. You, know, you, know, you got to see the movie. <laughs> I've seen the movie. <laughs> so anyway, so... so Stop, stop. <laughs> no, stop it. I got over it. I saw the movie. <laughs> What did you get over? I'm a little salty that, you know, see, the thing was, me and Tariq held the show up to such a high honor that we thought that everybody that came on that show freestyled their ass off. We didn't know they were doing deep cuts. Verses from the albums. So our standard was like, yo, we have to be as good as da 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 da. So that's why Tariq would just train himself like a boxer Hmm. to freestyle. And so. To what? find out that it wasn't that it, that it yeah. wasn't that no I I just you know that's what you had to get over to see the I I broken I, heart. I I for some reason the communication was down or we 
You know, I'm in like every music documentary. Yeah, you know, I do know. <laughs> and Br- and Brown Except Sugar. for the Stretch and Barbito show. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you, you were invited. We can we can show proof. Yeah, of emails. I, I know, I know. Yes. See, I, why didn't you? Did. Why didn't you make that? I gave Zara a week off. <laughs> <laughs> Blame it on the assistant. That's why she's not in here right now. She ran out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my point was that yeah, I, I didn't know that Mimi Valdez actually worked at uh, uh, the the station. At the station. So anyway, so so going back, there's a little trick in filmmaking that. So there's a lot of moments in our film where we had no video footage of, including the Wu-Tang moment. So we actually used footage of the Troubleneck Brothers walking through the entrance <laughs> as, the, as the B-roll <laughs> and cut that with, with footage of the artifacts showing oh, up to, wow. to the station door and the B-roll because you, you could just see silhouettes of people. It's the same thing. It's a, <laughs> right. It's, yeah, MOP, so Troubleneck Brothers, But Troubleneck might get the, get the vote for, for Biggest Crew. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, I can attest to that. Yeah. They, they were large. <laughs> Did you have the that? building surrounded. I think they're still <laughs> trying to divvy out per diem from 1990. <laughs> you know that? That was the Troubleneck Brothers and nah, artifacts nah. In, the, in the Wu-Tang scene? I didn't. A little cheating. I knew it was artifacts. I could see Tame walking in. Yeah. Yo, can I ask y'all an interviewer question? Okay. Who was the artist that came to see y'all who you you appreciated their presence, you respected them, but uh, the interview process was kind of like, uh, it's... Watch me rock him. No. Um, Are you going to answer that? Really? You want to? No, I'm just surprised that you would because <laughs> you're so Mr. Positive, you know? Well, no, I mean, the thing is that we didn't really interview people. Well, I mean, who was not forthcoming? Loquacious. Yeah, like, yeah. who... No, I'm saying we didn't. Who was disappointed? We didn't didn't do interviews. So artists came up to our show. We had kind of like a high standard for people rhyming. Mm -hmm. So when MCs arrived, they knew that they were there for one reason. Mm -hmm. If we wound up talking, snapping, whatever, that was great. On top of that, but the main thing was like, okay, yo, the mic is open. You know, kick your verse and 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 stretch. You know, be doing the beats and everything. So there's no, no nobody that we really were excited about. Let us down, really. I mean, there were you know, there were people that surprised we can't you? even remember. Were there somebody? Oh wait, that didn't you have a Dr. Dre story? Dr. Dre came on the show. Dr. Dre did. He was there. Yeah, he came, he came up. That was that was lackluster. When <laughs> he <Yeah>. didn't really. <laughs> this was probably in '95, right? This is around the aftermath. It's been there, been there, there, there done that. Like, East Coast, West so Coast. He killer, killer, killer. He, killer. Uh, Steve, Steve Rifkin brought him up, right? And um, you know. Wow. Yeah. Dre, even then, was larger than life, right? right? right. And the post-NWA, chronic, like, that's mm-hmm. Dr. Dre. Hell and um, yeah. he didn't really know what he was doing there. Somehow Steve, I guess, convinced him to come up, and he kind of was just looking around like, Why what is here? this? <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't, I don't think he really knew. I don't think he, Cali you know, he shit. just, he always, you know, just, he just circumvented the underground, you know, he didn't yeah. really. Nah, he really did. He yeah. just threw him down the steps. And he was, he was kind of stiff. Yeah, he didn't rhyme, he didn't really <laughs> oh, joke oh, around with us. It's like when D'Angelo yeah. showed up to our show. He had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, and let it, I mean, let it be known, he I still have not like paid. five minutes, it was like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, seriously, he to, to said you know. he said three words and went out for a cigarette break and then did Perfect. not come and he back. Never came back. And then we lost back. a bet. Yeah. Oh, so, so episode one, uh, I promised them two thousand dollars if I could get D'Angelo, very reclusive, extremely late all the time to show up to the show. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and D'Angelo just accidentally just came in the room, just in. <laughs> yep. sat down sat for down. a bit. 
technically said three words. It's more R and B. Steve was like, "Here are some headphones." And then smoke. <laughs> yeah, it's more R and B. That's all. Those, 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 those are the three words he said. It's more R and B. He said just went enough. for a smoke. And, and never came like back. The yep. sister in Family Matters. Like, Hashtag abandoned. She went up to the room and never came back. That was it. Yeah. So and we I lost my, two grand. Yeah. 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 No. No but, money for but you guys. Steve Rifkin also brought up Quincy Jones, Ooh, who, oh, who, by the way, completely got what was going on and was uh, I'm incredible. I'm not surprised by that. And sat with us for an hour. But did he? Freestyle? I was about to say, did he always like? What? What? what did he, was he loquacious? Did he talk a lot? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was great. He, got into he had attitude. People were trying to snap on him on the phone, and he was telling people to sit down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he handled it. Tell him to sit down wait. via phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This reminds me. I, th- I think the night the night I mastered Illadelph Half Life. Did you not have Beck on the show once, no. or was it either? Mm-hmm. Did Mike D call the the show and y'all either spoke about Beck? I, like I turned on the radio. It was like five in the morning. Dang your memory. I, Mike never called when when I was there. I don't recall that. At all, it might have, and maybe MCA because MCA used to hang out yeah, that, at our that crib. May have, that may have happened. MCA used yeah. to hang out at our crib, so, but also the Beasties sampled our show. Yeah, on, mm, mm, yeah, dude, 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 dude. yeah, yeah, that's my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that was you. That that beatbox. You gotta tell them what yeah, sample, that was, where, that was what song was that off the Beasties? It was before uh, on Hello Nasty. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Come on, Bill. That's what you're here for. Dun, dun, this dun. is more fun. <laughs> that's, that's you, unpaid Bill. That sounds like Spanish joint. I'm a little for it right now. Album. Now I have to. Oh yeah, it was on. Look in our database. It was on Hello. It was on Hello. Wait, I'm here as the Beastie Boys guy. Is that why I'm here? I'm happy. I'm happy they think you are because I get that and I'm not. Thank you. House of Pain and Beastie Boys. Knowledge. That's oh what we no! Oh wow! Stereotypes. Well, you're here for Richard Dimplesfield. Um, yeah, I'm here for the Lick House. Lick house. Music. And I'm Why just here to be here? loud. I get it. And uh, you're here for T Pain. Billy Yo, Fonte and Questlove. Yes. I want to flip this around. I want to ask y'all a question because yes. this happens to me and Stretch. This happens to me and Stretch all the time for 25 years, and it happens between me, Legs, and Tony Touch as well, all the time. And I don't think I look anything like Stretch. And me and legs don't look nothing alike, except that we both Boricua. But, yo, does it ever happen to you where people be like, yo, Ninth Wonder. Yeah. Like, yo, the other day I'm in Harlem, and this kid recognized it. Yo, I used to listen to the radio show. Yo, B, I just, I just saw the film on Showtime. Yo, it was crazy. Yo, word up, B. Gave me a pound, a hug. I'm with my son. I'm like, yo, good looking, B. He's like, all right, stretch later. <laughs> I'm like, yo, we're in Harlem, B. Come on. I, ha- I haven't got white downtown. I tall. haven't got night You know what it is? I'm a Puerto Rican uptown. Stretch, stretch Short, has bad the, hairline. Stretch has the more exciting name. Like you see Stretch Armstrong's in that sort of DC Comics font or that Marvel font. Strong. So maybe that just exciting. Yeah, so what is we call Black Thought? Yeah, because people have, occasionally right? will say, yo, Black Thought. Yo, Black Thought. <laughs> So it stretches right, okay. in so the superhero so fight. Is, is Bobito like in the Because people naturally think that I'm the leader of the roots, <laughs> not the guy in the background. So, well, that, that is a very but true. last week with Ninth uh, at at the uh, the opening, the of, opening the, of the thing. Uh, the museum, Na- national the na- oh, such a African American long... History and Culture Museum. <laughs> That's what you're here for. The, the, say it again. The, the, na- <laughs> the National Museum. Excuse me. The National Museum of African American and History and Culture. The Say that one more time, fast. Say it in the ten seconds. The National Museum of African American History and Culture. That sounded like Hebrew. What the fuck was that? 
King and her mom be screwed. It would be right. Somebody get Bob. He's about to fall out. Somebody get Bob. Yeah, it would be right. Yo, you know what? This is like Seder. Yo, yo. People. Can you do that quick, quicker and quicker? We'll pretend it's Passover. Can we turn the air on in here? It's dumb hot. Wow. Now, I've never oh. got, I've never gotten knife before. I've never gotten knife. I've got big knife cold. got most like knife, he gets most. He knife was chilling with me, and so people just naturally thought it was like, yo, yo, Questlove and most deaf. Y'all here? <laughs> he, he got most. And he was he was very uh, angry at that. And knife looks like also he gets. Uh, well, we would joke on him. Guy Davis from Beat Street. He looks like what? Double K. That is too obscure a reference. Well, I mean, it's, that was like more of an in-house scene. Like, it looked like all I'm thinking about is him making the beats in the ballet scene. What's the big deal about eating oatmeal? It's <laughs> real. Yeah, he's. <laughs> Wait, who in his lifetime would would be that deep? For you to know that that <laughs> reference, you had to know your hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like inside thing. We would joke him about that shit. But I've oh. never gotten knife. I've never gotten. I've, got, I've never gotten knife. I've got big poop. I've gotten Cedric Entertainer before. Word. Oh. I've gotten Cedric Entertainer. Oh, when you do a uh, foreign exchange, yeah. you wear the hat. I had to have. I got Cedric Entertainer. Oh, okay, okay. And my latest and greatest uh, misnomer. Is Wendell Pierce. No! Wow. I can see that. No. I can see that. Yes. Yeah, Wendell Pierce. No, you can't. Don't I'm say that. Bunk more you, you are, are fucking bunk more. Yes, you <laughs> no. are. No, you're just. Yes. I mean, not Craig. that he's not sexy, but you got that boo. I mean, you know. You know what I'm I mean, I'll make it work for me. Craig <laughs> Robinson once told me and showed oh, wow, me Craig. proof of. The, the the joys of him being Questlove whenever he goes to like Canada. <laughs> so I can say on record that. Craig Robinson has enjoyed being <laughs> Questlove more than I ever have. That is a different fro. It's, yeah. just, a, it's just a little bit more manicured than Steve Harvey. It's, but it's like alllooksame.com, man. It's just, just he's like up he in northern Canada. <laughs> you know. But I'm like, if you're in northern Canada, if you're in northern Canada, like you go there. How would you not know the office and know Quest Love? Like, yo, can you turn the air on here? <laughs> yo, we did. We just turned it's it like up. Wild hot, yo. But you know, it's because you're laughing so hard. <laughs> Bobby goes fried. No, it, it is. It is. Yo, it can is I hot. share something again? Yes. yes. <laughs> and we keep interrupting your stories. We're we're new at this. This Thank is you. like our. No, yo, Fonte. It's it's a pleasure to meet you. A, because you're friends with Zoe, yeah. my wife Sydney from DC. And bust how, yo, I, I never I never knew what you looked like. <laughs> now you know what that is. No, no, I'm going to be oh, dead real with you. I'm Wendell uh, ninth, Pierce. Ninth, <laughs> ninth I've met a bunch of times, right? But uh, yeah, I'm a vinyl dude. So yeah. when the records were coming out ABB, there was no artwork. And yeah. then you were on Donnie's album, which I love. Oh, my God. Yeah. Man. You're on Donnie's record? I'm on the like, second one. Oh, the second, oh, second, second one after the color section? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah, there was the a second news. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I'm a fan of Foreign Exchange and, you know, all that. I never knew what you looked like, B. There's, oh, there's no photos of you on Foreign Exchange albums either. Yeah, know. nah, me and Nick, we don't really well, do yeah, photos. So yeah. What did you think he And it's weird that him and Nick didn't even know what they looked like. I want to know what your what your preconceived picture was i don't i don't think i ever had a nah i never even had a uh a, a, a conception of what you look like i just 
My, my wife would tell me that you sent her funny videos off of YouTube. Oh. 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 That was oh. like oh. funny videos. Like Yuzo, like Yuzo and, and her were like all shit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We would just be like, we would just have threads. I, I can remember just, just oh. like, it's so cold in the D. That's one of them. I feel <laughs> bad <laughs> about that. I was one of the people that helped break that video. You did. It's so yes. cold in the D. And yes, you did. kind of bad that I released that scourge upon America. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck it. It was, it was worth it. But nah, Thank man. Yeah, that, I was very surprised. Surprise, um, you know, Zoe, he was telling me, he was like, man, Bob like loves my record. And so I just didn't know, and, and I kind of want to ask you guys about that. As much as you are, as much as y'all are known for like hip hop and, you know, like playing all that, you guys, you know, house, soul, like funk, I mean, where does where did all that influence come from? Like, how did you guys get oh, into that we're getting serious mm. i mean we ain't got to keep it serious but like i was just when i heard i mean when zoe called me he was like yo man uh, he's like bob loves sunstorm i was like are you serious yeah. and he was he was like yeah he was like man bob he was hitting me up and then when he put out man made he was Word. like yo yeah. zoe is uh for the listeners zoe is the musical director of foreign exchange in our touring band keyboard player we're in the Jefferson's oh apartment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Florence, can you get that? It's D'Angelo. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Come and say three more words. Um, but nah, he was he was just always saying like, how big of a supporter. Nah, uh, my dude, were. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Like Ooh, during the nine 100. months of my, my wife's pregnancy, we used to listen to Man Made. Wow. <clears throat> and even the night that she went into labor. We were listening to. <laughs> Wait, look at look at Fonte's <laughs> eyes right now. I'm just first not hearing this. No, this no, no. Amazing. I told Zodis we were listening to uh, the album as a means to you know just get like the ambiance and the environment positive in the house. Everywhere. You're 100 percent be much love. That is amazing. Yeah. Are you going sh- to are you, are you share what uh, what your son was conceived to? <laughs> <laughs> was that D'Angelo? Yeah. Uh, was it? Percy Miracle's greatest hits. Percy, there it is. There it is. But uh, no, nah, I mean, I, you know, for, for me, I, I, my, my dad was a Latin jazz musician and my mom was heavy into uh, all the great vocalists of the 50s and 60s. So, you know, I'm born in 66. Uh, studied piano uh, for ten years. Uh, played drums. That funny strip. Played drums in college. I'm just thinking about the movie where a lot of people don't know that I was horrible though. Oh, I saw the photo. Yeah, you saw the photo of me playing. That was ill, man. That was ill though. And um, you know, so just music is music. You know, we got known around the world for hip hop, but even during the '90s when we were breaking Nas and Biggie and Wu Tang and you know all them, you know, at the crib we were listening to, you know, everything. Probably like. In, in any era of my life, I probably have always listened to hip hop the least of any mm, genre. Mm. But that's yeah. not, you know, in the '90s, that's not what we were known for. But if you read my Vibe magazine column, that's where yeah. all the other love for you know other music came spilled out, and the people were like, oh wow, you know. And then that when people sound check, that was yes, yeah, that's that's our version of uh, the blind touch. The blind you guessed it right. <laughs> <laughs> and stretch. I mean, you know, he's a. I mean, he can speak for himself. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a house with a, a father that was a like a classical music nut, and I was just not feeling it at all. <laughs> did he, did he right. play Rebellion. or did he just listen? He, he played just... violin. He made violins, but oh, he, he did a lot of. He, he played semi-pro basketball. He was a pro tennis player. Like, he's a un, unique Renaissance man. But wait, but and your uncle was a uh, my uh, uncle was a conductor. But I have another uh, uh, second cousin, Mike Lipskin, who's like an incredible jazz pianist. So music's in in the blood. But just in New York, I had an older sister that was into disco, and. Um, but I had parents that were just super liberal and open, like, whatever. Like, I mean, they dropped me off at the pier when I was like, I couldn't have been more than 13 years old to go see The Clash and, and uh, Curtis Blow 
open for them. And I'm like 13, like yeah. completely. And, and I look back now and I actually, I've seen pictures of that show and the type of people that were hanging out outside. And I'm wondering, were my parents good parents to draw me off there? Because it was, it was bananas. But I mean, I'm lucky that, that they, they were like that. But I look back and I, I got a question, like, were my parents sane? Um, yeah. But definitely having an older sister that, you know, she became like a, she was, became a punk skinhead. So like she was bringing reggae, reggae records home and wow. that's how I just. So the trickle the, down effect. Yeah. Though. Cause she was, she was only a year and a half older, but as a, as a female, she matured a lot faster and she was wilding out going to clubs and, and coming home. Like she was hanging out with the Beastie Boys, Rick Rubin, like, mm-hmm. and I'm just like soaking it all Singing up, like all trying to get out of the house so I can just get downtown and, and be in that. I was going to say that post- uh, the post the post radio show period. Um, haven't seen you guys DJing a lot uh, in New York, like ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, that really opened me to the idea of breaking a lot of rules that I didn't know. I guess the idea of open format DJing. I mean, before before it was called that. Now, yeah, now, yeah, I mean, like there was one night where you just started playing uh, just some obscure heavy metal song I'd never heard before. So, And this is before the days of Shazam. So, hi, Zara. How you doing? Oh, we were talking about you, Zara. Zara, this is the reason why I'm not in the uh, uh, the movie. But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Hello. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that, yes, I know you, you guys' knowledge is, is, is crazy. Uh, for those of y'all just joining, we're broadcasting live from the Roots Picnic in New York City. Um we really want to thank you guys for everything that you've done nah, in, in hip hop culture. Man. For real, thank you. You guys have really been ambassadors, just for the world at large, just for for good music all the way around. And thank you. Um, just you know, to know that y'all are fans still of the music we do. Uh, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for what you've done. Seriously. Or thank you. And I mean, as a former college radio DJ, I just want to say that basically every college radio DJ copied you guys. We, that's basically <laughs> you guys were the blueprint for every everything that came after. Everything. So thank you. Thank you, yo. Well, yo, uh, I, I, being here makes me remember, makes me reminisce about our own show because y'all having mad fun. So yeah, thanks for having us as a guest. And um, you thank know, for, you for all those out there. The film is called Stretching Barbito Radio that changed lives. It's available on Showtime. It's about to kick off on Netflix. Oh, that's uh, public now. Nah, not really, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. It is we, it we ain't going to be on... It's on iTunes. Yeah, it's on iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, uh, Amazon. You can download it directly from our and website, stretchingbobito.com. It's on DVD. At local barber shops too, the, the bootleg version. <laughs> <laughs>
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right here, I'm sitting in front of a young brother who I feel is... Uh not just um, uh, a MC, is a dope MC just coming out of Philly. Uh, I think he exemplifies uh, the things that I look for in, in an MC. When I'm listening to an MC, I'm looking for wordplay. I'm looking for uh, a command of the microphone. Um, you know, you want charisma. You want some engagement. And uh, you want a cat that really sounds like he's living what he's talking about. You want a guy that walks it like he talks it. And uh, this young brother certainly exemplifies all those things, ladies and gentlemen. And he's a and he like has his hands in a lot of pots. Super so entrepreneur, about yeah. entrepreneurial, like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's give it up one time for my brother Chill Moody. What up? Yeah, 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 yeah. That um, that means a lot, man. That means a lot. You in my top five MCs. So like, oh, that that shit, really man. means a whole lot that you said that. Honestly, man. I was trying not to tear up. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, look, crying in your beard. Yo, chill. You gotta, you gotta tell. You know, I, I know you're tired of me saying this to you, mm -hmm. but they are new, so they don't know. You gotta tell your, the story of your roots picnic evolution to oh, how yeah. you got to this stage because you are an unsigned artist still. Yes, and you come from Philadelphia, but now you're doing this New York right. roots picnic. This is my third roots picnic that I've performed at. Um, I meant to ask Quest when I seen him. Is it like a law that you can't do it more than once? Because I don't know nobody. I don't know nobody that's done it more than once other than. Wow. Me and Lil Uzi now, because he did the one earlier this year. But um, I went from like legit sneaking into the Roots picnic, sneaking backstage to you know one year at least getting like a, a general admission ticket and sneaking backstage again. <laughs> Meeting um, I'm Randy Fonte actually one year you were in the crowd it just was, watching. Yeah, I was, it was like old just, nine. Yeah, I, I think um, Red Meth was on stage at that time. Yeah, and I, I got to meet Method Man that day. Um, yeah, just went from from that to performing. Um, the, we did the joint, the two-day, the first time they tried mm -hmm. to do the two-day joint. And um, I went on right before Rakim, and it was like a hurricane. Like, legit, like, the craziest torrential downpour you have ever seen. Wow. And I was performing, that's when we had the tent. the tent. yeah. Everybody flooded into the tent because of the rain and, you know, escaped the rain. So I went from, at that point, which was a crowd of, like, let's say, like, 2,000 to, like, five. Like, that quick <laughs> in the middle of my set. Just that water. And I'm just looking like, yo, this is crazy. And, like, Billboard wrote about me. And it was like, hot as hell in that tent, too. really hot. Yeah. But Billboard Magazine wrote about me. I'm Wait like, I'm not, I wasn't even selling music at that point. Was that yet. the year when the tent flooded? 
Oh, I don't know. That's the daylight year. No, that was the right. the year Kid Cudi didn't come. Oh, the two day wow. joint with, with Rakim and Kid Cudi. I think I was there. I think I was think Major Lazer went on, and then Diplo went on in the um in, in the, the tent. tent. Yeah, because, I do remember that. Yeah, they, yeah, they called it Diplo Tent that year. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Diplo wow. body the tent. Yeah, and then he, from he there, did the um the first year they had the ping pong stages. I think Bronson was on that year with me on uh, Chanel Monet, I believe. So it was like, what's this, 2016? So I did 2012, 2014, and now 2016. Every two years. Yeah. Man, so with all that you've gotten into, we're going to get into that. So, mm -hmm. you know, with your beer that you're drinking. Yeah. And <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Nobody uh, brought anything but you. Yeah, yeah. He, my, mama, yeah my mama told me right. She did. He, yeah, you he come did. into a picnic, you got to bring something. Yeah. You got to bring something. And not cups, you greedy <laughs> motherfucker. Ice. Like, yeah, bring, bring ice, bring utensils. Like, you fucking people. Who, who raised you fucking the end? Yeah, I was, I was broke, man. I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll excuse you, Boss Bill. You you keep it you keep it together. So we'll excuse you for breaking cups. Uh, so with all that you have going on, you know, with the uh, with your with your beer, Dock Street, Nice Things IPA. Yeah. And this man has his own, he's the Prince Hakeem of beer. When I say he has his own beer, he has his own beer. He has his own beer. He has his own beer. You gotta check that Yo, shit out. It's dude. delicious too. I had some. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So with. With the hands, with everything that you know, you have your hands in. Is it even worth signing a deal for you? Do you weigh that out at all? Yeah, I mean, if somebody's listening and wants to sign me, yeah, it's definitely worth of. Because you've accomplished a lot on your own, right? Way right. more than some people, right? You know, like very true, very true. Why I don't, some corporation there's, there's, mess it up? I don't know nobody else, a rapper with a beer, like. Like I made this beer. It's not like you ain't endorsing. Yeah, somebody I'm not endorsed. Else's. I didn't I get that. signed to Ciroc and you know produce it. I mean, um. So, Endorse it or whatever. It's like I made this. I went and sat at Dock Street, probably like four months straight, twice a week, maybe just rigorous hours of drinking. But um, I'm talking like from like twelve to like five, like just drinking. Wow. Like, wow. And, then and like, no, sleep the rest yes, of it until the next. No. They put a whiteboard up and they teaching me about you know. So I learned a lot about beer too. So like I I really like got into it and got heavy into the Philly beer scene. We got like a crazy beer scene in Philly right what now. What made so. you want to get into that? Um. I mean, beer is good. It's really good. It's lucrative. It's, it's, it's moving right now in the city. And um, I had hosted a couple events for Philly Beer Scene. I did the, um, the I presented an award at the Philly Beer Scene Awards, and they have a band of brewers or a battle of brewers where every brewery somehow in the city, for some reason, all these guys play music. And what? so they do a battle of the bands, but you have to work at the brewery. So, uh, Philly shit. And they did it at, a, yeah, it was crazy. They did yeah. a World Cafe Live and it was popping. So I hosted that. And um, like every after every band performed, I brought a couch onto the stage and I sat and I interviewed you know the band. What do you think about your performance? Whatever, whatever. What beers y'all got coming up? Whatever, whatever. So doing more stuff with the, with the beer scene, I kept getting into it and I'm like looking around like hip hop's not here. Like there's, there's no hip hop here. There's, I mean, it wasn't brown in the room. It's not a m bunch of brown in the room either, but it's really like no hip hop. Oh, okay. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm I'm all about putting hip hop in places that it hasn't been. Like I'm the first artist to perform at City Hall. First hip-hop artist to perform at City Hall in Philly. Um, it's been a couple since then, but I can honestly say I opened the door for that to happen. That like, happen yeah. My mom is hyped that I can be able to say shit like that. So stuff like that. My <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. No, but I, I, I can say it, but I can't say shit in my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I was apologizing to my mom. Um, 
But yeah, so I forgot your question. And I just got <laughs> well, nah, that's what made you got beer. Beer, beer tastes good. That was, yeah. that was a very simple answer. It In was, summation, yeah. beer tastes good. Beer tastes good. good. And, that's, and that's good a damn enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Keep it simple. Hell, don't don't make it calculus when it's arithmetic. Right. Oh, beer is good. <laughs> yes. What did you just say? <laughs> don't make it calculus when it's arithmetic. Is that an original? That's original. Oh man, man. you Nutigolo, are gold. Again, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have you my say moments. Nutigolo, Nutigolo. Nutigolo, Nutigolo, Nutigolo. Every now and again, I get it right. Every now and again. <laughs> so, uh, so <laughs> talk to me about in terms of uh, coming up in in Philly. Mm -hmm. um, just as an as an outsider, uh, you know, coming up in the South, uh, I didn't really get into the geography of rappers until I really, you know, kind of started rapping. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying myself. So to me, everybody was from New York. Like right. y'all all had accents. Like I couldn't differentiate like Rakim and Three Times Dope and Cool C and. Like, it was all just, this like, dudes North. from New York with right. chains on, and I just love this shit. <laughs> that, was, that was just, it was just one big kind of blur. Um, coming out of Philly, uh, what was that like for you uh, coming up, and who were your influences? Like, who were you looking up to by the time you came along? Um, it's a lot of different different answers. Like, coming up, I, you know, Cool C lived around the corner from me. I remember oh, wow. Cool C. Pulled up in a um in a G wagon. No, it was like one of G money joints, like the G money Jeep with the with the whole everything off, tore everything off. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and he um he hopped out, and I'm actually I'm, I'm back for the cocaine. Came back, came back, back with space. Space for your face. Um, New Jack City, a, we, uh, a modern Negro classic. I'm grabbing my mom some um some Salem Light 100s from the from the Chinese store, and I come out and cool seats right there. I'm like. Oh, that's dope. Like, can you sign these, like, this pack for me? Like, this pack is there. So, like, wow. seeing how, like, he hopped out with his chains on and everything. Like, just running the store to get, you know, probably something to drink or something. I don't know. But just seeing that he was just still in the hood, just doing things, like, chilling. Like, it was like, oh, I could be, I could be that. And then as I got into that, I'm like, all right, I could be more than that. Like, I, I don't want to just be a Philly celebrity, a neighborhood superstar. I can, I can be more than that. So I start seeing, you know, stuff that the Roots was doing. You, you see the stuff that, right now, I'm, I'm admiring stuff that, like, Kevin Hart's doing. Um, Take it out of Philly, you see stuff like like that. Fifty always did. He the, these people all did more than just the music. Mm -hmm. They I always say hip hop got me here, so the music got them there. But then they expanded into something else, like Queen Latifah and Will Smith again. Like just just watching them, I'm like I want I want to be more. I want to do more than just rap. But you know I'm good at this, so I'm gonna use this to get me As you a know every, yeah and, and get everything else I gotta get. You remember like your first rhymes? Like you remember? Yes. Um, my first first raps was in like third grade. We won this wow. third grade talent show, um, and then it turned into like a weekly talent show we used to have in in Dr. Mason class. Damn, you had a residency, yeah. You, you. And so we won every week. Me and me and my guy Louis Marshall, shout out to Louis Marshall. Um, my rap, but it was like I had like three bars. It was like, yo, back in the days, I used to hate my teachers, and everybody said I used to wear crummy sneakers. That was it. Wow. <laughs> that was it, and that was third grade. And that's then, and then, yo, but that's and then dope, Lewis like, came in with some, something, and then, and that was it. Like, nigga, you took a couplet and stretched it into a residence. <laughs> that's fucking amazing. <laughs> third grade, and I'm saying back in the days. I'm in third grade. Like a lot happened before third grade. <laughs> it was popping. Mm. Oh man. So from those uh, from Bristol's early, you know, back in the days, my sneakers, my all that from that couplet. Um, how did you go into building songs? I know for a lot of MCs, um, a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, when I was coming up, 
it was we just wanted to rap. Mm-hmm. You know, we just like bars and nigga bars, right, bars, right, bars, right, bars, right. bars and bars and bars and raps. Um, but rapping, rap, 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 rap. I'm rapping because I'm rapping. So I'm just gonna rap y'all niggas to a goddamn coma. Yeah, like after a while, you're rapping about rapping. So like, it's like, all right, let's make some some music. So what happened was when I started college, Citibank or something. And finish. Yeah, I did finish college. When did you come? When did you come out of college? Where did you graduate from? Millersville University. I graduated in 2009. Tell them who went to Millersville. Chill. Went to Millersville. Black Foot. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Sean G. Um, who else went up to the village? What was your Malik Malik B. Yeah. What was your public public relations, speech communication? Of course. Wow. So originally it was yeah. psychology. I went with a, I had a full academic scholarship. Um, drank that away and <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens, I changed it my major like junior year to um, it was it was psych and then I switched to PR because I'm like yo you only need like 117 credits to finish this. Let me just get out of it. But uh, when I started college, you know, freshman orientation. These credit card people is out there. Yo, you need oh, you need to build your credit. Oh no! Man, right. Discover got me. So Citibank got me on two joints. You wanted the, you wanted that free T shirt, didn't you? Yo, that's really what it was. It yeah. said college. Yeah, I'm not lying. No, I I, yeah. I, I know I know it. I Yo, know it. Trust me. College so a free T shirt. Well, you can do you, you, yeah. yeah. You can so get, you, can get, you can get anything out of a college student if you offer them a free T shirt. Y'all got shirts. <laughs> All right, bet. Um, one more day you I went and bought studio launch? equipment with the with the credit card. I went, you know, bought, ah, okay. bought a mic, bought hey, like Cubase, cool edit and Cubase. bunch of stuff. And I don't I don't know any of this stuff. I'm not like musically inclined, like, you know, I'm not an engineer. I don't know that. but I just start recording stuff and I'm like, all right, let's make songs, like making records or whatever. And just seeing my, my family is huge. So all of them, like I, I started to rap to fit in with my bigger cousins, my older cousins. Like okay. they introduced me to Wu Tang and Nas and all of that, like early on. So I wanted to rap to fit in with them. But growing up in Philly at that time when I started rapping, it was the figures was out, state property. So I was rapping about some nonsense. Like I'm like I said, I had a full academic scholarship, but I'm I shot everything and killed everybody and was, I did all kind of stuff and sold all the weight. That all face the weight. don't look like all it do weight. none of that. Right, Mm-mm. right. Mm-mm. But and so my cousins was like, yo, it's lyrical, it's there, but that's not you. Tell your story. Mm. And that came with you know, rapping as my like I had rap names and then it was like, yo, your name's chill. Like, why not just be chill? Like I was like, oh yeah, you. Right. So chill, chill is. I've been chill since I was six months. <laughs> I've never heard nobody call me nothing. I mean, I've heard people say it, but my, like my father's never called me nothing different. Teachers always called me chill, or they called me Moody. Moody's my real last name, so like, okay. I've always been chill, Moody. But I had like, I was tag. I was young, chill, the block captain, spelled young, chi- yo. I'm gonna spell it. It was Y U N G, of course. C H I L, T H A B L O K K C A P C A P T apostrophe N. Yes. Do not forget my apostrophe, or it's gonna be a problem. That is so like that. Was you were like Anderson Pop before Anderson? You were the block Anderson Pop. You were the block. I had an album called Street Cleaning. Like I was young, chill, the block captain. I had Street Cleaning. And then I had the neighborhood watch, and then I had the neighborhood watch too, and then I was like, "Yo, I'm drooling." But it's so interesting <laughs> that you had that name because that's such like a '90s name. Because because yeah. the, the '90s rap template name was like name the mm-hmm. adjective something the damage yeah. pudgy the, the, L, the head toucher pudgy the fat bastard right right right, right, right paradox right. the bilateral the metaphor, metaphor. <laughs> you had to have like this is me and I am the <laughs> adjective this is who how I do it. And then this is my title. JT the bigger figure. JT the bigger figure. Not just the figure. Oh, no. The bigger. I'm the bigger figure. The larger one. Much greater in stature than, than yours. 
<laughs> wow, oh, a black captain. Yeah. But that's real though. So, so then, yeah. So when you made up. that shift from, you know, I, I made that shift and also made the shift in the lyrics. Like, all right, let me tell my story. This is chill, Moody. This is who I am. I'm, I'm a Philly guy. Let's, let's, you know. How was that? What was, what was that story? What did you? What did you want to come? What did you want to come above all to? else? Is like, yo, I rap like better than y'all. Like, I just want to like, it, like express that and like really be like on my, you know, this is me and you know, it's lyrical. Like, mm-hmm. I ain't gotta lie and be lyrical. Like, it's lyrical at first, but it's like, no, like I can, I can just tell my story. So it's like, big family oriented guy. Like I said, my family is huge. I can walk to like, probably like twelve family members' houses from y'all are from my house. Side. Yeah. yeah, we all PSK? from what yeah. Shout shout to Schooly, that's my guy. Yeah, man, um, Schooly D. Uh, we had an interesting, uh, interesting night with him one time playing a root show. It was, and yeah, I think uh, you know what you I bet it was interesting. Like, did he bring the feather oh boa? Oh my god, did he bring the feather boa? He didn't bring the feather boa. He he, it was boy boy. This was like he a man though. He like a man man, you know. This was oh f- god five something. I can't remember. And he was doing. Amir was playing. I'll never forget this. And just to see the sheer look of terror on Amir's face <laughs> when Schooly wouldn't leave the stage, man, that shit was hilarious. I don't think it's one person in music that doesn't have a Schooly D story. Like that guy <laughs> is epic. Like, and then his stories are even more epic than anything you could say. Like he's like, yeah. So it was me, Prince. What? He, what? He, what's that story he told us that day? He's like, yeah, Madonna was there. But anyway, let me say, he's telling me about like the sneakers he had on. That's the, the point of the story. Like, but my when he sneakers, got, though. But yeah, so Prince is over there. He's doing his shit, whatever. But the sneakers, like, <laughs> schooly, like, what, you just going to buy press? The fact that Prince and Madonna was over there, like, yeah, that, they go always was there, whatever. Like, schooly's a homie. He's been to the house. Like, he, like, mom, come to the cookhouse and stuff, my mom crib and stuff. Like, and he's a, really another MC. I'm always fascinated by MCs who take MC and then do other great things right. with them. And him doing the cartoons. And the him cartoon. doing, yeah, Adult Swim cartoons and stuff um, like that. He painting now. Like, or he got back he into is, the art. Yeah. Um, he just did these Converse, like the, um, what's his first album? Saturday Night? Not Saturday Night. Um, you know the album where he drew is the yellow and yeah. the Yeah, like, Saturday Night. Saturday Night, uh, yeah. Saturday night yeah. He did some Converse. That um oh, like it's just the, the artwork. artwork, yeah. That's nice. But he's wow. drawing like doing them himself and like just selling them, like just really like going old yeah, school. Just drawing. Right. Yeah, he got a big That's house in yeah, Marion. From yeah. listening to you, man, you, you sound one of the things that I find very refreshing is that you seem to God damn, oh that you got a whole jug of that oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm see. about to ask for some more. Yeah, yeah, hey, a refill on, a refill on the Doc Street Brewery beer. Yo, this this nigga pulled out the prohibition. Yeah, jug. It definitely is. Oh, it's not enough, the prohibition of yeah, it's a, a growler flood handle yeah, joint. Yeah. <laughs> Chill movie is not with wow. the three around, X's man. on it. Right, right with that. <laughs> This the moonshine. That's it's dope that it comes in that kind we of bottle. We really are in the liquor house. Is there a pineapple situation? Yes, yes, sir. Is that like a thing? Yeah. Okay. Is that what I was tasting? So I was trying to find. What we did is was that when you went to like beer beer class and you sat there for six years and learned, <laughs> learned all about beer and brewed it with your own goddamn hands. So you learned all about the shit and that you took the you fucking cut up the pineapples. <laughs> we really <laughs> cut the pineapples up. Like we really like he actually cut a couple pineapples up. My attorney and put, and put a couple joints in there. Like, you got your lawyer cutting up pineapples. Yeah. Good move, man. That's, 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 I ain't touching that night. <laughs> Shout out to Jason Burger. Five hundred dollars now. You performed already. Have you? Yeah. You performed already. Yeah. How earlier too. Crazy. Crazy. Compared like, to all ones. Crazy. My family. I got a lot of family up here in New York too. So a couple of them came through, and like my mom, my sisters, my sister's birthday. So they're there, and um, in the middle of this, or towards the end of the set, I see the guy say, "You got five minutes left," and I'm like, "All right." 
I got one song left, and it's showing like three. So I'm like, I could probably just get an acapella off real quick. And I just start rhyming. And then I, as I'm rhyming, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the verse I'm rapping right now. So I, like, I just start, I just went off. And in the verse, I shout out my mom, I shout out my sister, and talk about some things that we, you know, got going with the family and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. And no bullshit, just tears. tears. Like, I was like, wow. Waterworks. Yeah. What's the song? What's the song? I just, it was, it was just a verse. Just a, just a verse. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I said, um, this LP that I'm working on, I might call it, Mom, you ain't got to work no more. Huh. Tell my big sister she ain't got to hurt no more. That's all I'm working towards. And then everybody just hugged each other. I was like, oh, shit. I probably should have done it. <laughs> nah, that's that's a great moment. And they just I, kept I going. I just got to chill. I could never. I, that was always hard for me. I admire people that can do that. Like, I always would tell my family never to come to my gigs. <laughs> really? I, yeah. I was like, y'all stay where the fuck all that. Because it just kind of, <laughs> it just adds I, an unnecessary, not pressure. Pressure is pressure. It's, it's pressure, pressure. And it's just like, it, it, it's almost like, for, just for me, I mean, it almost feels like you're undressing in front of your family. Like, that is the most vulnerable. Really? You know? Nah, yeah. I, like, mean, I don't really like having my, like, family. my people there. My kids saw me play for the first time last night. Six and four. They came to the show. Did they enjoy it? They, they just kept on waving to me. You had a show? <laughs> I felt, yeah, I felt like... Thanks for inviting us, Bill. Yeah, yeah thanks I'm like, for inviting us show. to the Bill show. Yo, yo, you. yo. It sold out in six seconds. Nothing what? I can do. What? what? <laughs> I, I, we played the Gramercy Theater last night. And, oh, dope. Uh, it was fun. Hey, and a beat talented Bill Sherman. Hey, Bill Sherman. I got shit to do. I got some beer to <laughs> make. He's got that Oscar to work on. He yeah. got that Oscar. He got the GET. We got to give him the O. My, I need um, to win an Oscar whenever you want to do that. My first yeah. couple shows, my like having a family there was the most vital part because they like 30 deep. So Yeah, all his family come through. That, I that, that helped fill the crowd up. Like it, it, They 30 deep. It, everybody bring one friend. And they be high. And it's a small little... I'm, I got 60 people in there right now. Yeah, I was like, good. So that's how... That's really how... The um the buzz started in the city because you know when the family leaves everybody goes back to a different spot and they tell them more people they tell them more people Ooh. and it all it all just worked out brilliant that's dope man so Yo. I'm happy when I when I look out in the front my mom right in the front row every time like listen man uh chill man brother thank you so much man, oh, thank you for thank taking you. this time uh for coming out and um and for doing this on a show day mm-hmm. and, and bringing beer bringing us oh, beer thank, thank like, you for the beer for showing yes. up you know what I'm saying. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, 
their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Juan Tigolo, uh, holding it down for the boss man and our cult leader, Questlove, who is... <laughs> Busy <laughs> working today. We we're broadcasting live from the Roots Picnic in New York. In New York, New York City, the city and the state. We got uh, <laughs> we got lovely Laia, nice unpaid Bill Sherman, Shit. my man Sugar Steve, my man Scott Yayo. <laughs> uh, this young lady is one of the uh, new voices and um, one of the more prominent voices of the grime. Uh, hip-hop movement coming out of the UK, and um, she has been very patient with us <laughs> uh, after coming uh, out, out of her performance today uh, from the Roots Picnic and uh, waiting for us, and she showed up with some liquor, and yes. that is a sure way so to get to people's heart. Ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to say her name, and then after I say her name, I'm going to take your sip, and that shit going to sound got like goddamn good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lady Laisha. <laughs> I told you. About I love that. that. I love that. Oh. First Roots picnic performance. Yes. Yes. How was it? It was amazing. You know, I didn't think I was going to get that reaction, but a lot of them out there knew who I was already. So That's that dope. was That's good. was incredible. Yeah. One of the things I, I think is is so fascinating about uh, MCs from the UK is that. We speak the same language. I mean, we're both speaking English. <laughs> almost. But that, right, almost. <laughs> almost. But like, Calm down. The dialect is just something. Yeah, it's the com- accent, really. That's, that's. Well, the accent to me, I can, I can, you know, listen to the accent and like I can, the accent doesn't get in the way of me understanding what you guys are okay. saying. Okay. A lot of times it's just the, I guess more so the dialect is how you just will have certain terms for mm-hmm. words that we just, you know, we just don't use. Or even mm-hmm. like the way, um, another one of my favorite singers from the UK, my man Dornick, um, who is incredible. He does the same thing I noticed you do. You guys use Fs for TH. So it's the, I don't even know if you know it, but like you don't say think, you say think. Yeah, I you say think. You said, you said, or was it? Oh, she oh, said, no, she, 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 she did it right. She, she said, did it right. Think. She, she, actually she said, said it right. See, she didn't say the F? No, she said think. She said think. Well, think. she did something with an F. She said something that, with an You F. know what it is? It's because I'm, I'm actually from Birmingham. Okay. And, and mm. maybe he's from London because London accent and sound and dialect is completely different to anyone from up north in the UK. Gotcha. We have like a lot of melody in our voice. Ah. You know what I mean? And they're very monotone mm-hmm. Londoners. So. Do you, you think that comes from uh, like, is that like a... The kind of Caribbean influence. No, I don't. I don't think it's that. I think. I think it's just basically. You know, you have Birmingham, Nottingham, Manchester. They're up north, and they have a different sound, a different vibe and energy to mm. Londoners. Londoners, they just laugh at us when we speak. You know, because <laughs> it sounds like we're, we're singing. That they say we're singing basically when we're talking. Okay. 
And um, yeah, there's some things they say that we don't say and some things, so they say glass, pass, fast. We say glass, past, fast. So y'all say it kind Where of like is we the do. R in f- fast and past? You know, it's it's glass. It's not glass, it's glass. So that's what we do. That's what we say. We pronounce things properly. But London is, you know, they always win because they're the biggest city, you know. <laughs> they own some most. Yeah. That's, yeah, where, that's where arse comes from, Zeb. A R S E R Arsh. That's yeah. That's extra. So many extra fucking consonants. Shit makes good point, Fate. Yeah, man. Fuck all that. So, so in in doing your performance today. Um, do you notice a difference between performing for crowds in London versus here? Or are there any adjustments you have to make uh, in performing in the U in the US? Yeah, one hundred percent. I feel like in the UK they get it straight away because the music I make is grime, and that's mm-hmm. straight from the UK. That's gritty. That's that's us. That's what we've created. And when you try to take another genre of music that people might not have heard of to another another state, another area, they might not take to it as well as the original place mm-hmm. it was created in. So in America, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm I think it's incredible when they actually when they're nodding their head and they're they're listening and they're vibes into the music because it's it's UK music, you know, and mm-hmm. I respect that. But at the same time what I try to do whenever I come and do a show in America is I try to merge American beats or I try to connect with the crowd by you know, today I play Biggie. You know, that's uh-huh. New York, and I got New York hat on. But th- you see, I wear these all the time. This this isn't just. I didn't yeah, you're not just pandering. I, yeah, I, didn't, I just didn't fake it today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I try to connect with the crowd as much as possible, and and yeah, and try to show them that I'm British as well as being able to understand and relate to them as well. So it goes it goes down a bit. It depends, actually. It Americans depends are kind of assholes when it comes to like listening, like music, appreciating music. I feel like that when it comes to America. Really? Comparing them to the UK, yes, I feel like you guys are way more open-minded and accepting. That's wow. why a lot of groups, especially well, I say Europe, but that's yeah, why a lot yeah, of groups yeah, yeah. here, like here, I think of the Roots. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, Roots yeah. were touring 300 days a year in Europe. They can do that here. Like, I think that used to be. I think that used to be the case. I think more so now. I think the internet is kind of the great equalizer. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, I think back in the day, like maybe 20 years ago or so or whatever, like the UK and like Europe was kind of seen as the promised land. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you were fucking bricking over here, you could go to Europe and you could be the guy. Right. But now, if you're bricking here, you're fucking bricking everywhere. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, no one, like, the, the jig is up because you're just a Google search away. And if you're whacking New York, you're whacking London, Birmingham, Manchester, <laughs> England, England, everywhere. Don't nobody want to hear that shit. So it's it's not. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, in terms of your music, how did you get started, and um, what were some of like your earliest recordings? What were they like? Okay, so I wrote my first lyric when I was six years old, oh, and man. that was you just a, like a a lot of young writers on this. Man, show. yeah, <laughs> six, eight, like, just yeah. a little um, a voicemail for my mom on her phone. So whenever mm. anyone would phone it would go straight to that and that was over a reggae track um sister nancy bam bam yeah so everywhere i go i have to perform that i don't care if people don't even know about it or reggae that's something i have to do for myself um and then at the age of 12 i discovered eminem and Mm. i was just totally in love with him and i knew from that point i wanted to be a rapper there was nothing else for me like i you know when you just feel like you you know you're certain of something i knew that i didn't want to do anything but rap so from the age of 12 to 14, 
I learned how to mix and master my own stuff, produce, DJ, rap, sing, act, dance. I was trying to do everything. One stop shop. You know what I mean? I and, and at a young age, and, and I had the experience, you know, to, to, to be who I am now, you know, and to perfect on my craft. So I've been working for so long. Um, I had my first show when I was 15. And because I'm Caribbean and I, I watch a lot of like dance hall shows and stuff, the way they, they've got the crowd, put the flag in the air, where you <laughs> all that stuff. I, I learned that from early, so I'm not I'm not scared to to put myself out there when I'm on the stage. Even if the crowd doesn't react to me, I don't care because I'm in my zone and I've learned from the best, you know. So Who were your teachers? Um, Eminem, Lil Wayne, he's just he's one of my biggest teachers. A little bit of Missy Elliott, um, as far as just having fun and not caring what people think, and the crazy visuals. Buster Rhymes, same with the visuals, ludicrous with the visuals and the flow. Um, but there's a few UK artists I used to listen to as well. Who were they? Who were your UK artists? Um, so there's Kano. I don't know if you've heard of Kano. Um, was he so solid crew? Was no, no, right. he wasn't so solid crew. He he was in a crew called The Movement, but then. They were all doing their same, that their their own thing. So there was Scorcher, Kano, Ghetto, and Devlin in this crew. Okay. And Ghetto is like, he's so amazing. I think he would do great here. I think the UK don't get him. He's so, he's like Eminem. Like he's so articulate. He's mm -hmm. crazy with the flow. And because of that, I don't think the UK get him. And I think he'd be amazing here. Like people would respect him more here. But Getz was a big part of my career. Like. As as far as like flow and technique and content and syllables and trying to hit mm. every pocket, he was that guy. So. In terms of uh, listening, being in the UK and hearing American uh, music, were there some parts of our music that just did not translate over there, or were there some parts that culturally it was kind of like okay, I like the music, but what exactly are they talking about? Not at all. I think really? I think for a very long time. England and UK have worshipped American music. We've, even me, like growing up, I thought, you know, to be a rapper, you had to be American. So when I was younger, I was spitting in an American accent because I just thought that was it, that, you know, I'm not gonna make it with a British accent, especially from Birmingham, that's a completely different accent. To, so what does, it, what does it, you rapping like, in an American accent, like what does that sound like? Or not even have, you don't have to rap, <laughs> but just like talk in an American accent. What does that sound like? Oh my gosh! Because we imitate y'all all the time. <laughs> oh, is that? A, you know what that, that you she just did it. She just did it. That was, yeah, that was you just missed it. Yeah, I got bars, son. You know, I I, I do this. I really do this. Boss, yeah. Talk. That I don't. Shit, I don't son. know what this accent is from. I don't know what city, what area. New York. I, I, New York. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got the new era on the New York. You know, we got this. <laughs> I'm inside with Pandora. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah, seriously, like, literally, I do this all the time. Like, when I'm on Snapchat, I always do the American accent. I love it. I actually love America. Like, I just think you, you guys, at the time, at the time when I started rapping and stuff, I thought that was the only way to make it. Mm -hmm. But I think after, like, a decade, things have changed now. And, and a lot of the American artists are looking at the UK and it's, it's refreshing to see that they're, they're finally reaching out to us. Like Chris Brown has worked with a few UK artists. Mm -hmm. Drake has co-signed a few UK artists. Yeah, I'm curious to see like with Skepta. Like what yeah. happened is that I'm really, he's really kind of. Yeah, and hence Skepta's been doing it for so long, mm -hmm. you know. And it's just good to see that finally something that the UK has created, which is grime, is finally getting seen on 
really big platforms. Can you break that down? Because a lot of people, yeah, I was like, Grime. Break now, like, Grime is like to over there, like to us. Grime is 140 BPM. So it's quite fast. It's like. It's quite fast. It, it's a slower than drum and bass. I don't know if you've heard oh, of yeah. it. Oh, yeah. 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 It's slower than drum and bass, but um, it's very it's very gritty. It's very raw. It's street. It's it's just us, you know. It's You, you can tell a grind beat from a hip-hop beat, and whenever an American artist goes on a grind beat, they always hit it in a different way to mm. a grime mm. MC, you know. We're hit it with the spit flows, like, and then an American artist would be like, you know what I mean? So, got it. We have our own sound, you know what I mean? And we hit it, it's very aggressive, Um, it's very hard-hitting, it's powerful, it's energetic, it's omniscient, man, It's it's it's... I'm surprised we haven't tried to steal it from you yet. <laughs> you know, like Drake hasn't come over. It's, it's and gonna happen. Like, okay. no eventually, <laughs> eventually, give it, give it, give it a couple give years, it, just yeah. a few more years. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. Don't speak too soon. After they leave the continent of Africa, they'll be back. <laughs> uh, in terms of um, like, because I, I also saw that you're a singer as well. Like you sing mm. as well, or do or well, I tried to sing. I'm not a singer. Um, okay. But yeah, let's swiftly move on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not a singer, guys. I, I actually I'm not a singer. I just know how I used. To, I you grew up in a, in, in a church. Like I used to be in choirs and stuff like that. So I know about melodies. Yeah. I know about harmonies and stuff like that. But I wouldn't that's say better I'm than no a lot of like singers. Her. I mean, that's <laughs> you're like a singer like Nicki Minaj is a singer. No, I think she. I think she can actually sing with Nicki me. I need. I need a lot of work. I need a lot of melody. I need a lot of auto tune. <laughs> you know what I mean. I gotcha, need a lot gotcha. of that because I know I know I can't hit those notes that Mariah Carey hits. You know what I mean? So I saw her, but um, I performed at New Orleans Essence Festival. Oh, did yeah, oh, wow. What was there. that like? Because that's a very black experience. Okay, that was <laughs> very African American experience. Very, that is like a specifically Essence kind Fest. It's put on by Essence Magazine, the <laughs> Black Woman's Magazine, just for everybody to know. And it is held in New Orleans, oh, which you. is one. You know of the, what? I, I feel like because I'm British, they straight away they just. They're locked in because they hear a different accent. It's it's refreshing for them and it's okay. unique. It's new, so it, I didn't really have to do so much to win the crowd over. That's they dope. was just like, "Wow, you know, well, what I mean? it ain't a stale. Who is it?" <laughs> 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 no, you don't lit. But yeah, yeah, man. But I saw Mariah Carey at this this festival and she performed every song live except for Heartbreaker, and she she managed to hit that. Uh-huh. I can't even do it, but you know that yeah, thing yeah, that yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. She managed to hit that, and I was just like, "Okay, you've still got it, yeah." You know what I mean? So that's dope. I, yo, that the voice is something that is very—it's um, an instrument that's very delicate. I mean, you have to really treat it like it's an instrument, mm-hmm. and it's something that you know. One of the greatest tips I received was from a, a guy who, who was telling me I was asking about care and stuff, and he was saying, you know, you have to treat. If you look at what all the other players do. At the end of the night, they put the instrument in the case. Mm-hmm. So you got to do the same thing with your voice. You know, at the end of the night, put it in the case. Yeah, and you can see I'm doing that. And, and a little brown. <laughs> now, a little brown. Little brown little go, do you know, it, will, it will knock a little of the coal <laughs> yeah. off to right, help right, you get right. those real, That's you know, true. that that, that mm. real grit. It kills you know. all the, you know. Mm. It'll, it'll, it'll knock terms. that coal off your chords. You yeah. can sing in them holes where you want yeah. to. You might not remember anything. <laughs> it really will. It'll get you there. Um, so we're uh, here now. So where are you at now in your creative process in terms of what you're working on? Um, you know, in terms of records, what what is your what is your creative process like? 
Okay, so at the moment I'm working on my album, Queen okay. of the Scene, which will be out next year. And my, my process is quite weird because if I'm not in a good place, I can't make good music. Mm. I know that sounds as easy as, it, as I've said it, but it, it isn't. Like mentally, I have to be in the right place to make fun music, which is what the Queen's Speech Project was all about. So if I'm in a happy place and I'm in a good place, I can make happy, funny, good music. Okay. If I feel sad one day, I'm gonna make Drake music, you know that, you know. But that's obvious. I mean, that's that Janae music, you know. Uh, is it is it you prefer, is it that you prefer to do like happy stuff or in the dark stuff? I do. Kinda, I, I do know? prefer to do happy stuff because I just love to see people laugh, man. That's that's what I'm about. Like my personality off mic as Melisha, because that's what my name is. Um, I just love to see people laugh, make people laugh, and just you know have a good time with my people. So that's that's the only reason why I thought of doing a project that is funny and relatable yeah. and can connect to any common man around the world, you know what I mean? Like Queen's Speech, the things that I say in that are things that people can be like, oh yeah, I, I know someone who does that. I know someone with crispy bacon lips. I know someone who don't change their panties. I know someone who don't brush their teeth. Someone who don't you know change what I'm saying? their panties. So, you know, some people do that, you know. Some people just wake up, they, they've got their panties on already, they've slept in the panties and they just, they bust out, they go, they go work, they go... They go to their friend's house. Who are these their, people? Their house. Now, I, now I, I will, I will say there are some men. Now I don't. Oh, you will. Well, men, 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 men do it. Okay, yeah, men do it. All There's the some men that, that like a little twang on that thing. And, uh, <laughs> what? You know, I'm, you know, they, they like, they like a little twang. You know what I'm saying? Man, the fragrance has to be what, what a one, man. You can't. What, 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 you can't what, what, wait, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, we can't, we can't blame Lai on this. Okay, wait, wait. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Have you ever left? the house without washing underneath you don't want to ask there. me that question no I'm I man. do I do like, listen, I actually that's why see. we want to not by <laughs> choice not by choice say what now it depends okay <laughs> alright okay it depends okay here's the hmm. thing right Where's the for me if I'm just in the house just in my natural just whatever mm-hmm. then yeah I mean it may not be necessary for me to shower if I'm just running to the store yeah, because I haven't been like sweating yeah or that's nothing. fine but like if I didn't left the gym am I gonna go to the gym then Hop my ass right. in the bed and then get it. No, that's fucking trifling. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are like laws mm. against doing that. Kind yes, of shit. there are. So no, but no, nah, but but. Okay, so have have you ever came out your house without washing, but you've gone to a club as well? You've accidentally just ended up. That, that's that's happened. That, oh that's, man, that's happened. <laughs> oh, that's happened. Oh, okay. oh, 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 I know. I know. I, ain't no shame. Because listen, if, if we went to Israel Times back in the days, you know, back before I was covered by the blood of Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> back, no. back when I was out there in the world, <laughs> there was a time in my life where I would go to the club, you go, you go to the club, you know what I'm saying, you sleep, you know, you come home, you crash like two, three in the morning, wake up. You know what I'm saying? And then you realize, oh shit, I'm hungry or whatever. So then you make your way to like the fucking IHOP or whatever. And you still are in your okay. club clothes. So, so what happens when you're you're in the club and you you, you meet a beautiful woman and okay. then you connect and then she's like, okay, I'll come on with you. And then, okay. uh, so what happens then? Do you what go to, to the bathroom? The whole time you're praying you that, she does, that she ignores you <laughs> until the next time <laughs> well, you run into her. Well, 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 I mean, listen, man, let me, let me, let me explain, let me explain something. You can, you can record me. It, it, I don't give a fuck. It's all good. It's the man now. Guys, he's covered in the blood of Jesus. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Don't let, let me explain Okay, let me explain something. Let me explain. Okay, listen, I, I, I personally like a woman's natural 
pheromones. So you feel me? So for me, I'm the type of guy. It's like, listen, if you go to the gym and you in your spin class or whatever, when you come back, so it's like, I don't want you to wash that off just yet. Oh, okay, you get me high. Let me swing around this. Hallelujah. Listen, I like some twang on that thing. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? It's flavor. Added flavor. Yeah, Yeah. it's added flavor. It's added presence. I need to know it's there. Like, I know it's like, it's that. Let me know it's real. Yeah, that, yeah. It's, but you know, a real woman doesn't need that added ingredient, you know. We have that already. Well, it's not about having the to woman. not wash. It's, it's about me. I'm a nasty okay. nigga, lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. We, I, I mean, preach. look, I just see a hundred. Like, preach right look, now. You know what I'm saying? I got a lady in my life. And she Pandora knows these preach. things. This is not new. She accepts me as I am. She is blessed. Because I accept She's blessed. who I am. Mm, but blessed. you know what I mean? There's just things that I thing like. Best thing you've ever said. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, for me, I mean, if I felt, if, if, to answer your question, if we in the club and it's been a night and it's been a little must or whatever you know I might want to f- freshen up or whatever but for her well, well hold on hold on if you're in the club everybody is a little musty exactly. and stanky and nasty that's true, that's true. So. and that's what drives it I the mean, great equalizer what, yeah, that we all funky. So let's be funky. And together. we drunk. What? Let's go. We drunk and funky. We drunky. It's all. It's a. It's a combination. So. So yeah. So that's the thing. But okay. So now let's get off women's side. <laughs> I, I, she took the conversation. I, I no, I respect that. I respect that. I actually respect that. I fucked with you. So working on working on the new record. Um, if you need an interlude talking about that. Feel free. Just, <laughs> I can drop that on for mm. you. Uh, you can gonna need you for that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna you, need you ooh. for that. I got you. I, I drop it on. This is okay. Good. So you um working on it on the new record um be out next year. Uh, in the meantime, what are you doing? Just touring the the EP. Yeah. Or? So I'm just touring at the moment. Um, a lot of shows, a few special features. Yeah, man. I'm just here and there. Um, and tomorrow I'll fly to Atlanta for AC Free. Okay. A3C. Uh, oh, A3C. 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 I get it mixed yeah. up. Too, <laughs> I get you. Yeah. A3C. Yeah, A3C. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm just all over the place, man. No sleep. Enjoy just... it. Enjoy so the ride. Are you still, um, do you still have your, your clothing line, the friggin' L line? Or? No, it's no. so crazy when people say that to me because I just didn't think people would be researching to see that. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was just a little thing I was doing on the side of music. But mm-hmm. at the moment, I'm just... It's ouryear.co.uk. It's got all the, you know, the little, the relatable quotes I say in my Queen's speeches, like crispy bacon, bush your teeth, change your panties, you know, all that fetty, <laughs> one eye and your man fetty wop. Them little, <laughs> them little wow. things there, you know what I mean? Because I knew, I knew people would want at least some type of merchandise. Mm-hmm. I've got the toothbrushes with the brush your teeth on my logo. I've got the crispy bacon lip balm. Nice. I wish I brought some for you guys, yeah, you know. I'm not saying that you need it. That but tastes like bacon? No, it doesn't actually. It actually okay. tastes like um, cherry. Oh, okay. It's actually nice. It's actually nice, you know. It's okay. You brought brown rounds. But yeah, yeah we, we next time, man, I have to I have to hook you up with some with some stuff. <laughs> All right, well, Lady Leshaw, Leisha, Lady Leisha, Lady Lady Leisha. <laughs> Thank you for probably one of the most open segments. We got to keep it open. Love Supreme, and no um, you know, what I'm saying we wish you uh, much love and much success Thank on you. your. Uh, on your journey and on your tour, you know, be safe. Good luck at uh, A3C. And um, just thank you for being a part. Thank you for taking time yeah, of your day you and waiting me, and just, you know, I, I know how it is. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Lady Lashore on Quest of Supreme. Lady Lacia. Lady Lacia. Lady Lacia. It's a song by Johnny Gill called Lady Du Jour, and, I, and that's just in my. Wow. Johnny Gill is in my brain right now. In my Lady Du Jour. Ooh. You got those notes. I'm going to call you for real, though. Hit me up. <laughs> I do hooks, I do funk. <laughs> Voice Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.